did watch I, the song that everybody's like, oh, the, that song that didn't get nominated because they didn't submit it for nomination. The the why we don't talk about Bruno or whatever the song. It's like the number one song in, in the country right now. Oh, that's it's on the what that billboard. is. It's the number one song in the country on the Billboard Top 100. Well, whatever I saw, I just watched it on YouTube because people were saying, oh, it's the first time since A Whole New World that a a song from a Disney movie has gone to number one on the charts. Oh, wow. It's not a very, I mean, it's, I can't remember the tune of it right now, but it's a very, very, uh, you know, like Lin-Manuel, it's very, very dense uh, linguistically. It's, uh, it's good. It's funny. It's, it's okay. I, I'm surprised it's like the number one song in the country. It sounds it's not- like a Falco song from the 80s. Like, <laughs> Why we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> Going down to Bangkok to one or whatever. I don't know. Like Going a- down to Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of uh, a one, one night, night in Bangkok. Bangkok yeah. And Rocky Amadeus. Yes. <laughs> a little Murray head. You put a good little Murray head in there. Please come in Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, come uh, on. We have the, yeah. Bruno no, I haven't watched Encanto yet, I, but I feel like I should. <laughs> I haven't I seen Moana see. yet. No, 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 Moana's good. That one's all right. I hear it's very I good. Like I haven't it. seen, I saw Soul and I was like, I did not like Soul. Soul was if I, was I loved it Soul. when I first saw it and then I'm like, yeah, I don't ever see it again. So I don't remember anything. I couldn't make a side story. Why is it bad to want hand-drawn animation back? I just, the CGI, it's like, Blah. It's a buffet of shit thrown at you all at one in the same time. And I can't process, I can't register what's happening or what's being said or why it's important. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at. You're old. You're old. 15 minutes, we shut it off. We were like, I can't, I don't know. Who am I? What, what, I can't tell what's happening. Let's watch. It's like James Woods' ponytail. That was hand drawn. I was going to say. That was obviously yeah. hand drawn. <laughs> that was made in the factory. Robert you sound Downey like Jr. Andy sort of- Rooney right now. You sound like it's, it's like, <laughs> what's the deal? That's it. everything's just flinging at you. My hooker and I couldn't make any sense of it. He always used to say, you know, what was this? What was oh, this? The, oh, what was it? Wasn't it? Uh, what's the, oh, now what's no. the deal with that the deal. <laughs> it was, it was like, um, and it's not, and another thing. I don't know. Yeah, it had something And another like, thing. No, it was like, uh, why uh, is it? Uh, why is it? Like, why is why it? Is That's it? right. Now you're on the right track. Catchphrase. Andy Rooney catchphrase. It was. Yeah. What's what? Andy Rooney? If you do for? see me in a restaurant, please just let me eat my dinner. What the fuck are you talking about? That was what that was. That's, that's what it says. Right. Even looking. though that's great. That's what Tommy Lee Jones said to Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> He said, if you see me in a restaurant tonight, Jim, please just leave me alone. And Jim, and Jim much like Fred, has to poke the beast. He's like, hey, buddy. Like, I cannot sanction your buhoonery. I can't see anything. Anyway, I don't know. All I right. don't know. He used to say a thing. Yeah, I know. No one cares. I know. We'll find it. We'll find it. Does every open space have to be filled in? I don't think so. You won the contest. All right, let's question. get through these movies. We got, come on. Jesus Christ. Okay. We got to get started. You gotta go. Oh God! Oh my God! What the hell is in a Mexi melt? Jesus! <clears throat> Welcome to the Critics Corner for February seventeenth, nineteen eighty nine. I'm uh, having a little bit of tummy trouble this morning. Al Roker took me to Taco Bell for breakfast, so please forgive my brevity and my one-track mind. <clears throat> oh. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. 
More like filling heads with excrement, I betcha. Oh, God. Keanu Reeves, my mind. Then you know that this is a piece of crap about time travel. As in, it's time to travel to the toilet bowl. Oh, Jesus. Don't. Oh, true believer. More like poo retriever. Because the makers of this nightmare just pulled this one out of their ass. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The burbs. More like the turds. Oh. What's the fecal matter with these movies, you ask? The poop, the whole poop, and nothing but the poop is that all three of these flicks are a solid waste of your time. Back to you in the studio. And we're out. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Somebody please, uh, please help Gene Shalit. Gene Shalit? More like Gene Shal shit. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So tonight's award for excellence in podcasting goes to. Oh my god! Oh god! Oh Jesus! Oh my god! I have been in this business 52 years, and I, I, I. Coming soon this summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 70. <laughs> this is what we've come to. It's <laughs> come God. down to this. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, welcome to episode 70 of opening weekend. If you don't like it, what can I tell you? What can I tell you? <laughs> 70, 70 episodes and 62 shallots. So come on. You gotta. What else is there? Hey, I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week we travel back to February 17th, 1989, and the release of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, starring Keanu Reeves, The Burbs, starring Tom Hanks, and True Believer, starring James Woods and his ponytail. <laughs> But before we wade in the week's pool of mediocrity, Fred and Dan, oh my, where were you in February of 1989? Well, I'm just curious, did the Mexi Melt, was that invented in 1989? Is that why we, we you chose to go that, there? No. Or Gene West? I have no idea when it was invented. I think it was just the first time that Gene Shallot went to a Taco Bell was in oh. 1989. Okay, fair enough. I was just curious. Just no, there's no good reason. I just had all poop jokes. And I was like, spoiler alert, not the greatest cinematic week of all time, but you know, so maybe just, I just had poop on the brain. This means something. It's important. Anyway, where were you guys? I mean, Mexi Melts were a big part of our lives in the 90s, I know. Yes. But in 89, I don't know if I'd had the pleasure yet. I don't think I'd had Taco Bell in 1989. <gasps> no, really? Definitely not. I don't think wow. so. No, I think that was that was something I that I either. discovered in college, I believe. I don't remember. I, I mean, I remember going to, I don't remember doing much fast food other than Burger King because we had a local one. We didn't even do much McDonald's. But Oh, uh, would this have been the era of Herb then? Are we, in <gasps> her, are we post-Herb? Herb. 
What was remember, Herb? Was that Wendy's? Remember Herb? Yeah. Yeah. Herb, what was that? I believe yes. was the Burger King. I guess you'd call him a oh mascot in the eighties. He was just a nerdy guy. Just a guy. Burger King, right? You I are correct. Let's totally look. Forgot Herb. That. Would, would Burger this, yeah, King. Look, him, look up Herb and look up who played Herb and was the it Burger James King Woods? nerd. This was yes. oh, not too far King off. Nerd. This was okay. nineteen eighty five and nineteen eighty six. Okay, so we're only yeah, a couple not of years too past far Herb. off. It wow, seemed wow, like wow. Herb was around for most of our youth, though. Or, or, or his, <laughs> his, his energy, his most essence. For people born in uh, 1984, <laughs> looking back from 1987, yes, Herb was a large part of most of their youth. <laughs> Fred just said it was two years. <laughs> it can't be that much of your youth. But why do I associate my entire 80s with Herb then? Well, because have you listened to half of this, did most of this podcast when you talk oh. about your years in junior high school? and That's true. High school, you know, I That's think you, you were... You could consider yourself a Herb, right? I related with Herb. Yeah, I guess I related to him uh, and to the Where's the Beef Lady. That was Wendy's, was uh, it not? Clara, sweet yeah. Clara. Yeah, Clara that was Pella, much Clara earlier. Pella. That was the early, that was when we were in elementary school, I remember. But you were a Burger King fan, Fred. I was a Burger King fan. Yeah, I really like oh, Burger okay. King. I think only Me just too. because there was one that was close to us. But to this day, if I have to do fast food, if I, which I try not to, right. I will always go to Burger King over McDonald's. Mm, I same. can't. I can't. McDonald's makes me ill. And what do you get? The opening weekend podcast sponsored by Burger King. Uh, you go to bar. Burger I get a Whopper usually, I guess. Whopper. It's been, it's been a you. long, long time. I get the old school chicken sandwich. Really? The oh. old timey one from when we grew up. Oh, yeah. With the, it's sort of long and oval shaped. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's pressed chicken filings. It's feet and, and beaks and <laughs> coxcombs and God knows what the fuck else <laughs> is in there. And salt. Yeah, and, and a lot of salt. It's yeah, the MSG. Thing. And oh, then right. um, lettuce, shredded lettuce, and mayonnaise. There's nothing better. I'm going to get one of those right after we that get on this good. podcast. Yeah, go get one now. Really good. <laughs> like a couple episodes where you got up to get coffee. Just go, go run to Burger right, King. I'll see you guys later. Off I go. Herb, you ready? We'll go together. <laughs> I'm talking to my wife. The, but then they did like the international versions of them. Remember that? They would do the Italian version and the French one, and no one ever got the French because it had like ham on it or something. Like the Cordon Bleu, right? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's what they were they were riffing on. It was their their riff. That's right. Burger King's riff on a Cordon Bleu. Ah, the French. I do seem to remember that this maybe around this time that um, where the Burger King was, where I went to, Mm -hmm. was also where one of the first blockbusters. Uh, near our house opened up. Oh, so you'd pick up your movie, you'd go get your Whopper, and you'd bring it all home. Yeah, would that be right? Oh, Did Blockbusters open around oh, yeah. this time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I worked at, right around this time, I did my two-day stint working at a Blockbuster <laughs> in, like, oh. April of 89. I, did. Awesome. I worked for a couple days there. And then I was like, I think I've told this story before, because I went from, it was just, I just, I had already, I had finished working at that other video store, the little mom-and-pop one, maybe uh, four or five months earlier because I had to leave because I was doing, it was around the time I was doing Fiddler on the Roof, which was probably right around now. And then after that show was done and I had more time, I was like, oh, I should go get another a little part-time job. And the Blockbuster had just opened up in 89 in our neighborhood. Oh, wow. And, okay. uh, and I went and I got the job, but they were so busy. It was like so fucking crazy there. And I only had weekends to work and they were like, it's too, it's too crazy uh, for us to show you like teach you the register or teach you anything it was like all you did for so for eight hours all i did was restock boxes movie wow. boxes 
they were like, we just can't. It's too busy for us to take time to show you anything else. And I was like, I can only work on weekends. Am I just going to be walking around for eight hours putting boxes on shelves? Not like the cash register is some like, like, you know, incredible job. It's just it's well, it's just something else it's like some variety to the day having right. more, you know when i was at the old video store it's like you did everything you you, you know you, mm-hmm. you cleaned you you made the popcorn you did the you yeah. know you restocked the shelves you're d- dealing with the cash register you're opening and closing was that the place store. closed down by this time it wasn't closed down but it was just like i had left and i i didn't have enough hours to give them i was no. like you know like for what they needed it wasn't useful so i was like no blockbuster that'll be fun and then I was like, oh, you know, there's a, you've got you've got access to everything. You know, at the old place, we had like one or two movie copies of each movie here. It's like I'll never have to wait for somebody to bring back uh, Short Circuit 2. It's, it's, it's all over the fucking wall. And that was it. It was almost like it was decadent. You'd go in and like the new releases. It's like a movie comes out, a piece of shit movie. And there's a hundred copies on the wall immediately. Yeah, and, people are, and people renting it. Like it's going to save their life. Like it's the elixir of youth. Like It's like, do you need to see that? It's just the novelty of it was like, yeah. oh, yes. I can get this. And I remember like the blockbuster box that it came in, like you had to click it shut and right. pull it open. Like I can feel it in, in my hand right oh, yeah. now. Yeah. It was very, it was very exciting. Did you own that. a rewinder? Did you own one of those when you got your VCR? No, no, we just rewound in the VCR. Oh, so you're not supposed to do that, Fred. Fred, your VCR is not going to have a very long shelf life if you do Ooh, that. I didn't know that. You're we had a rewinder to... at work, but I never had one at home. You could buy them from home and then we'd pop it out of the, the VCR and then put it in the rewinder and then that would rewind it. And, uh, and it's a, so they say, if, you, if, you, if anyone's in the market for a VCR, can you please know, <laughs> buy, go ahead and buy a rewinder along with it. And then also buy an 8-track or just get 2XL. I was going to say, any <laughs> tips for buying a Commodore 64? If anyone wants to get one now, too? Yes, get the uh, get the full color screen. Don't skimp and get the amber screen like I had. <laughs> where you couldn't, everything was amber in color because dad wouldn't spring for the color uh, monitor, which All was right, bigger right. than my no, house. No need to drag your father into this. Well, he deserves it. No, I'm just <laughs> So in 89, what was it? You were, you were a senior, Jason. I was a junior. And that, would, you, that would make you a sophomore. Yeah. Right? I was 15 going on 16, as the song says. So, uh, (laughs) yes, the acne was in full force. I shouldn't have been going to Burger King. I shouldn't have been eating all the beefaroni. I shouldn't have been eating all the pepperoni. That's what we all did. So that that was the opposite of Herb, because Herb, I think his big shtick was he had never tried a Whopper before. You had tried many Whoppers. I had tried many everything. There was nothing (laughs) I didn't try other than crack and drugs. I tried anything that was offered to me to put in the food hole, in the face hole, was was tried and then would come out through the pores of the skin. This is a very sexy time (laughs) for me and for all at uh, John F. Kennedy High School. Yeah, 15. What a horrible time. What an awful time to be a human. <laughs> to be a human, it's a hard sixty. To be a human yeah. in Dan Matisse's body, and in and in in you know uh, the 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 um. So wait, so that means that makes me a sophomore then? Okay, yeah, because so I was a I junior a, in eighty nine. Okay, so I, I know had that. a year. All right, I had a year under my belt. Uh, so this would have been the last year that my sister could protect me in high school, which was an important thing. No, actually, no. This was it. No, she was gone. So I was on my own now. Oh, now boy. I was on my own. That was incredibly terrifying. Yeah, having to show up there. But by this point, myself. halfway through the year, you you, you you had your footing, right? A little bit. No, no, not so much oh, because no one was still. No one was telling me to not wear sweatpants. 
still no one was telling me not to pair, you know, I would sort of conglomerate together different, uh, different uh, mascots from products. So I was like part herb, part Clara Peller, part uh, Cookie Jarvis. I was part uh, Mr. Peanut. You know, I would just choose cookie, random. Wait, Cookie Jarvis. Remember was Cookie Jarvis? From, is that from Cookie Crisp cereal? You got that it. That's wow. Crisp. Yes. What about Cookie Puss? Were you ever Cookie Puss? I was mostly, the nose was mostly Cookie Puss's nose. <laughs> At that point. Oh, give us a little Tom Carvel. That's How good. did you fare against the Noid? Did you avoid him successfully? <laughs> I was mistaken for the Noid at this point many, many times. What were your favorite ma- product mascots? Oh, jeez. <laughs> at, t- at this time. I don't know. In, 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 in 1989, I, I, I don't remember. I had a hard time remembering what I was doing around this time. RD, he seemed friendly. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> when Dan doesn't want to talk about what was going on in his personal life, exactly. he, he latches exactly on to what exactly. was on TV, what was on my cereal box. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's too painful. I'm like, wrestling was happening. Let's talk about the Iron Sheik. No, it's okay. Journey. It's fine. All right, we'll move oh, on. God, we'll move on, Dan. Too painful. I, I felt like Mr. Peanut was, you know, he's selling out his own people. He's selling out his own kind, Mr. Peanut. <laughs> Eat people who, with his monocle and his cane. Yeah, well, that's right. He's the he's the one percent right there. Exactly. It's like, yeah, and he's like, yeah, eat the eat the rest of my. These people. were already shelled. <laughs> <laughs> have at it, humans. <laughs> I have a story that'll that I guess I can save for the Bill and Ted section because Ooh. it's uh, it was about my high school newspaper review of Bill and Ted. Ooh, can't wait to hear that. And, and the backlash. Oh. <laughs> It's do you not have that it still? Story. Do you have it's it? Not. Please tell me you I have, have it. it somewhere. I, w- I couldn't, oh. because I'm here in Kansas City, oh, I, great. I don't have access to it. It's, you know, it's oh, probably we'll at it my somewhere. mom's on Long Island or something. I don't even think Was I have. Was this the one where like you had a, you had a battle with it, the humorist column? Oh, so I told you about this. <laughs> and, I, and I was, I, I thought his name should be Mort. <laughs> did I talk about him on the show? You did say that you, there was a, there was a, there was, oh, I think funny. you had a review. I don't know if it was this one that you reviewed something. Oh, this is it. This was it. And like the humor columnist was like, well, I, I must take umbrage with, oh, yeah. uh, I'll just tell, uh, yes, I'll just tell the story right now. Yeah. I didn't, we'll see, <laughs> you know, umbrage. we'll see if I liked it any better this time, but I didn't like, I saw Bill and Ted. I was like, eh, didn't like it. Thought it was dumb. Wrote my review. And yeah. then, uh, this, uh, student who, you know, this was the year that the schools merged Comac North and Comac South. So there was a, it was only, I didn't even know this kid really, but he was from the South side and he wrote a, co- a column, like a humor column, our senior year. And yeah. And then like the next to last issue of, of my senior year, I reviewed <laughs> Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and Fletch lives, which also came out around this time. Oh. And I didn't like Bill and Ted's. I kind of gave it short shrift. I was like, okay, blah, blah. And now let's talk about Fletch because I love the original Fletch and I just had more to say about that. I wrote it. And then in the final, the next issue, a month or two later, it's the, it's the guy's farewell article to school. And he writes all these things about his time in high school and this and that. And then the last paragraph is, and before I go, I must take, uh, yeah, I don't know if I, umbrage or what the word was (laughs) with the, uh, with the uh, critic of this uh, this paper, and and then he went and gave his review of Bill and Ted and how clever and uh, and uh, special he thought it was, and how wow. <laughs> he disagreed with me, which is totally his right. But I remember being like, the gauntlet has been thrown down right in front of me, wow. and uh, and ever since, I don't think I've seen Bill and Ted since then, and then I want rewatched it this week, and then we'll see. 
Was it as onerous to me? <laughs> or was it excellent? Well, it time will tell. Um, well, we'll find out. We'll find out when we get to it. I don't know which one you want to start with. You're the you're the Segway King, Fred. So you tell us where we go. Oh, that's true. In this Oh, I have all the power right you now. You have all the power. But wait, you didn't say where you were and what you were doing, right? Really. Yeah, what were you doing? What were your favorite mascots? What did you write <laughs> that somebody had a rebuttal to? Yeah. I I don't remember that. I was having a tough time. This was like an in-between time for me. I was in between bands, too, I think. Oh, and, you know, I, I think at this time I may have been, because I was with this band called Unleashed for a while. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it was me on drums, Joey Ciampa on guitar, Dean Holzer bass, Tom Toomey keyboards. And then we had a singer, this girl, Lara Resitar, who came in to sing, and we did one we only had two gigs together the whole time. <laughs> but I think between now, I think we had broken up by this point. And I, mm -hmm. and I seem to remember this might have been a time when I think my mom suggested, well, why don't you put an ad in one of the local newspapers? And, mm -hmm. and you know, sort Sandy, of sell you. Sandy, always with the solution, Sandy Berman. And there were these... You know, there were music papers on Long Island. I can't, I'm blanking on what they were called. And yeah, you The non-village voice? It, it was like a village voice type of thing, yeah, but right. just for music. And you'd only, you could only get them at like Sam Goody's and mm -hmm. Radio Shacks and Long Island Drum Center, you know, like the music stores. And, you know, you'd have to hand write in your thing, you know, like I'm a drummer looking for a band, you know, uh, you know, Styles, Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin. And then- you know, my mom helped me write it and I sent it in and then I made this tape. So we sent it in and I got a lot of responses. And it was weird because I'm getting responses from like much older kids, like kids who are in college or like, you know, maybe even adults maybe. But I do remember getting a phone call from this guy. Holy smokes. I'm, I'm, I haven't thought about this in since it happened. Was it this but, guy? Fred, I'm available. I'm available, Fred. I was part of a very big band for many years in, in England. That's my Ringo star. I couldn't tell if that was Ringo or Tom Carvel. I was not sure. From column a. Uh, no, someone called and they were really, you know, they wanted to have a talk with me over the phone. And I'm, yeah, I'm a fucking junior in high school. And I remember the guy very clearly saying, you know, I was like, oh, well, do you want, do you want to send me your stuff? Like, I'll try to learn it. And he's like, I don't send it out to anyone because if anyone steals my stuff, I will kill them. Wow. Like, this stuff, this is my soul. Like, I will find them and I will kill them. And what does that got to do with anything? And I could just picture, I'm remembering myself walking back and forth, you know, with the core, the old corded phones yeah. and the coils <laughs> yeah. and going into, and having this like serious conversation about music with this fucking lunatic. I had no idea who he was. <laughs> like, he's got no idea that he's talking to a, whatever, a 15, a 16-year-old. It was very strange, so. Wow. Did you wind up using him, though? Oh, yeah, yeah, We recorded several albums together. <laughs> and, uh, and I know where all the bodies are hidden. Yeah. So, the ghost of John Bonham. And the name of our band was actually, oddly enough, it was True Believer. And, uh, no, was uh, it know, really? It was, yeah, because we had ponytails and we wore scrunchies. <laughs> Dan is the most gullible, amazing person on earth. Don't a true believer, <laughs> believe in the truth. Drop your ponytail. Right, went right with it. He was like, yes, actually. Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> you yes. stupid 
Stupid man. Dan Matisse is a true believer of anything. <laughs> Fred says. Anything. Of literally Fred. Fred as long says. as it's an advertising mascot. If they say it, oh, if Herb God. says it, if Spuds McKenzie says it, Fudgy the Whale, then he's in. He believes it. Yeah. Fudgy the Whale. There's a, there's a poo retriever. But seriously. Oh, God. True believer. Want to be a criminal defense attorney? Then know this going in. Everybody's guilty. Everybody. Well, what does that got to do with anything? I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> Jaded lawyer Eddie Dodd, played by James Woods, and James Woods' ridiculous ponytail <laughs> was a. <laughs> Was a well-regarded. You got it. We may not like this, but you're gonna have to see it just to just find still photos. Just go yeah. online. Just Google James Woods ponytail. Uh, you gotta understand. I just gotta interject. So when we yeah, record this, we always we do it through this program called Squadcast, and and it, you can see all our faces, and you can name <laughs> yourself. So we always do like these dumb, silly names, and they're always related to the movies and whatnot. And this is, I think, this is the first time where all three of our made-up names. All have something to do with the same thing, and they're all takes <laughs> on just. J- they're not even clever. It's just James Woods' ponytail. James Woods' fucking ponytail. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's Hashtag it. James Woods' scrunchies. James Woods' <laughs> excellent ponytail. So, like, we were all it's obviously. Just, it's the thing that affected us the most out of these three <laughs> movies. Which should tell you the week we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Eddie Dodd. Played by James Woods and his fucking hair was a well-regarded activist in the 1960s whose moment has long since passed. Dodd's constant marijuana use and defense of drug dealers is considered distasteful in the eyes of young Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> doing the greatest acting of his career. <laughs> you son of a bitch. When a distraught woman shows up at Dodd's office insisting her son is innocent of the murder he was jailed for eight years earlier, Roger the Idealist prods Eddie the Pothead to take the case. (laughs) Also starring Maggie Cullen, Yuji Okumoto, Louis Guzman, and Kurtwood Smith, True Believer was a flop, debuting in ninth place with just $3 million over its opening weekend and ending its theatrical run with a total gross of only $8.7 million. Fred and Dan, what do you guys think? Of Pooh Retriever. Not since, um, not since Ralph Macchio's hat and Crossroads. <laughs> not since Cosby's goat costume and, and, uh, where the hell that <laughs> awful thing Max was. Devlin. First of all, we have to go back to the, to the, to the, to the Golden Sheila Awards. That's my worst. That, that trumps everything else. That movie, Devlin Max Devlin. It's the, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I can't speak. Not since those, Horrible costume and makeup choices. Has a movie been so overwhelmed by a hair, a, a hair <laughs> slash costume makeup choice? Not only do you get here's the problem. Here's the, the litany of problems with this hair. First of all, <laughs> not with the movie, with the hair. No, because that's uh, what else are we going to talk about? There's nothing else to talk about about this movie. The hair is so fake and fake looking. A, yeah. B, it's you know he. I think he borrowed it from. 
all everyone from the cast of Facts of Life and just made one hair piece out of it. <laughs> it but does look the, like it's crunchies so- on top of it. The hair ties <laughs> on top of it that in one scene it's brown and one scene is black and one scene is blue and one scene is pink. Another one is salmon colored. Every day this guy has a new scrunchie. And then the third thing is he has this relationship with Margaret Collin that everything in the movies points to these two are going to get together or used to get together or there's a thing. I'm glad they didn't because who wants to see that with James Woods? But, <laughs> Save but, yourself. But Maggie it's Collin. setting you up for at least maybe it's something in the shower, in the bedroom, some point where that thing comes out, that scrunchie comes yes. off, and that hair gets shook like this. And it's draping down over his shoulders. And for five <laughs> seconds, he looks like, you know, Thor. Like I was Grace waiting Stoke. for that so bad. I was on the <laughs> edge too, of my Dad. couch going, Here, it's going to happen. It's going to happen now. He's going he's gonna to take that out. And we're going to see the long flowing locks of fake James Wood's hair. And it never happened. How dare this movie tease us for two hours. <laughs> And then never deliver. It, well, it's like the checkoff thing, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna right. introduce a gun, it's got to go off at some point. If you're gonna introduce a ponytail, James with the ponytail, right. the scrunchie's got to go off at some point, and you got to see a dream sequence at least, where he where he throws his hair around, uh, you know, on a, on, a, on a pirate ship or something. You got to do something with that. I thought thing. he was gonna either use it to dust for fingerprints, or it was gonna get. <laughs> Caught in some sort of threshing machine or something like it's got to be used as a plot point somewhere. He's an ex hippie, so could he use it to tie somehow tie dye something? <laughs> you know, or tie dye the he hair should itself. Just tie dye that, yeah, yeah. Instead, oh, he just tied it with God. multiple multiple scrunchies, and no, and the other thing, no one's acknowledging it. No one's looking round back and going. So the hair, <laughs> so- um, what's with you? I, I guess it's the, you know when 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 Robert Downey Jr. first shows up and he shows up at the court and he thinks that right. James Woods is the is the oh, right. you know is the, the criminal yeah the, yes, the right. defendant so right. maybe they that's why they well I mean obviously they did it because they wanted to say well here's this guy who you've, is, you've cast James Woods <laughs> he looks like a criminal. <laughs> I think it was based on an yes. actual, on a real lawyer oh, who was like an really? ex-hippie. Yeah, I was reading a little uh, bit about it. There's not much about it. Because hmm. I remember when this movie came out and being vaguely intrigued by it. I remember the commercial. You know, it's funny. I, this is neither here nor there. But when we were in college, Dan, I don't know if you remember this. I think this is something that I used to do with, with, with our friend Andy Wells. But when the second Pearl Jam album came out, there's a song called... Um, what is it called? I think it's WMA. I don't remember, but it's this very dramatic song that with this with the with these sort of like tribal drums and it's got a build up. And we always used to say that it sounded like it would be it should be in a movie trailer. And <laughs> it was always this movie that I was thinking of because it was always at one point we would joke and we'd be like, yeah. And then James Woods would turn around and be like, you know, I know the truth. You don't think I know the truth? I know the truth. That's the music builds. <laughs> and in my head, I was always doing Perfect. James Woods in this movie even though I'd never seen it. But it just seemed like I remember watching the trailers and being like, wow, that looks really dramatic. And I remember, you know, this this is before... This is when Robert Downey Jr. is still like that rising star. Like you just done less yeah. than zero and it's before Chaplin, but he's that, he's that guy that you're yeah. like, Oh, it's that guy. Yeah, he, was yeah. in, he was in, you know, in all those movies, we know him and he's supposed to be really good. And I remember the sense of, Oh, these are sort of like two, cause this was also actually going back to what we were doing in 1989. This was also the time when I was really starting to realize that I wanted to be an actor and get serious mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. And I started to be, I think this was around the time when I started to get introduced 
introduced to Scorsese. And I think this might've been around the time when I first watched Taxi Driver with my friend Bill Muir. So those types of actors were on my radar. And I remember the feeling of, oh, these are two sort of like loose cannon you know, really <laughs> intense, unpredictable yeah. actors yeah. together. Mavericks. They're Hollywood mavericks. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this, this could be really, really cool. Uh, and I, I didn't see it, but then watching it, I remember getting excited and thinking, oh, like we often talk about, you know, like, oh, is this one of those hidden gems? Is this going to be like a really <clears throat> like cool, gritty, yeah. right. exciting movie? And when it started, I was like, oh shit, this opening fight, that opening fight in the church, that was pretty mm-hmm. fucking brutal. Yeah. And I thought, ooh, this is, this might be good. And then the, you get the bad 80s music. It's like, you know, Mike Post meets Jan Hammer. And oh, yeah, thinking, okay, bad. but that's very bad. Yeah, with a little yeah. Kenny like, G thrown in for good yeah. measure. But it's I'm thinking of that's time. of the time. And then they get to the first scene, Robert Downey Jr. gets in and they do the setup with James Woods where you think, you know, he thinks he's the 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 hippie defendant, right. but he's really the lawyer. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, good. And then James Woods does his opening argument. And I was reminded to going back to college, <laughs> I did a scene in Shakespeare class with our friend Greg Renarchia. Greg Renarchia. And it was a scene from Julius Caesar. And I remember when we did, and I always go back to this because- I was really excited because it was a big dramatic scene mm-hmm. and it was like, it was Cassius and Brutus and we get into a fight. And I remember in the scene, all I did, cause this is what I thought you needed to do. <laughs> I just threw shit around. <laughs> I yelled and I overturned any piece of furniture on that stage. I overturned, <laughs> you know, cause I was like, that's what it is. It's exciting acting. And I just went nuts. <laughs> and that's what this opening argument was. Yes. And I immediately was like, yeah, this is one of the worst pieces of overacting oh, yeah. I've ever seen. And it was the, because I'm, and I'm confused because I'm thinking, but James Woods is, he's good. I, I think he's good. Right. right? Yeah, like I liked him in Once Upon a Time yeah. in America. And he was, yeah. I think he was nominated for Salvador. And, yeah. There's no but, scenery left unchewed in, by him in this movie. The entire time I was thinking, this is only reminding me of James Woods on The Simpsons. It's yes, only Jesus, reminding yes. me. It all <laughs> felt yes. like it was arch. It all felt, yes. it felt like every right. sentence was going to end with the word MacGruber or something. It felt like a parody <laughs> of this kind <laughs> of a movie. Yes. And I just couldn't get my head right. I was like, yeah. is he playing it a little bit for comedy and i was like no he thinks this think is so. good powerful right 80s yeah courtroom drama acting did you believe that i mean the way i gave you the change did i sound like a real quickie mart you know kind of guy actually i thought it was a little labored huh. you gotta lose yourself in the moment man yeah like yeah okay great okay let, let's just try that again okay come on hey come on hey hey hey, hey get over here okay now you're you i'm me I'm me. Hey, don't jerk me around, fella. It's the, yeah. It is college acting, in essence. But unfortunately, it's James Woods doing it. I did oh. think he got slightly better as the movie went on. But those courtroom scenes were... It was only when it was in the courtroom. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It was so... I just thought if I was... If, if I was a juror, I'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah, why, why are you, are you yelling so at me? me? I didn't <laughs> right. do it. <laughs> why are you so angry? Yeah. You're clapping. You're getting spittle on your ponytail. It, oh, Stop it. Kept, it kept reminding me of Injustice for All. I yeah. kept thinking of Injustice well, for All. That's and what how, you wanted because it to the be. New York thing. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And, and he's just, doing the anti-Pacino in this. Yeah. yeah, and just how much better that movie is oh, God, and yeah. how much... 
funnier that movie is and how much more interesting and even stuff with the the you know the um kurtwood whatever kurtwood his name smith. is kurtwood smith is that that uh, uh the da that kind of right. smacked of the john forsyth thing like the other you know the other institutional guy who's like kind of pitted against him Which, newsflash for anyone in a movie with kurtwood smith seeing a movie with kurtwood smith <laughs> involved in any way peripherally <laughs> with a movie with kurtwood smith if kurtwood smith is in your project <laughs> he's the villain yeah i know right I from know. the start the second he first of all he's the opposite of of james woods because james woods has all this hair and kurtwood smith is bald so there you go the, visually you know he's the opposite of the good guy second of all <laughs> two seconds in i would turn to taylor and i went there's your killer you know because it's kurtwood smith You've I, cast- to this day if i if i flip past that 70s show i'm like when yeah. is he going to kill his wife and children <laughs> it's very odd casting for him to play anything other than the outright villain in something you're right yeah. you're absolutely yeah. right Yep. Oh Here's God. the thing. I didn't, you know, I normally take notes on movies, just, you know, just jot things down. Mm-hmm. I wrote, I have two notes, <laughs> which this is, I, and, and they're not even that, I, I wrote. You wrote hair equals sexy. Sorry. Yeah, no, I said, holy ponytail. <laughs> and the next thing was, oh, I love this traffic song. Because when they go into the bar, there's a traffic song called Freedom Rider playing. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a cool song. That's all I can say for this movie. That's not a good, uh, like, that's it. And uh, it, it could have been so much. I, I didn't understand why it existed. I didn't, I, I, I yeah, understand. What's the, the takeaway? Exactly, Fred. I understand the idea of it, maybe, that they were like, yes, okay, let's base it on this. I, I, if it was an actual lawyer who used to be a hippie and used to be this, you know, freewheeling free spirited, you know, protect the underdog guy who's been so burnt out and so jaded that he's like, fuck it. I'm just going to defend drug dealers now. I don't care. And something turns him around. I never got that. Why does he want to reopen he the case? He changes was, his mind in four minutes. Yeah, there's no Jr. reason. Comes and says, I thought you stood for something. And he's yeah. like, that was a long time ago. And, he, you know, he takes a hit. And then and then the next scene, it's like, all right, well, yeah. I'm investigating this. It's like, he's on the case immediately. So and then there's I don't a scene really where he's get... like, and we have a bond when he's talking to the, to, to the oh, young God, man by yeah. the bars. He's like, I thought we had a bond. And you're like, but what? Based but on how? No, there's no relationship So there. I don't know if stuff was cut yeah. or if they just... I don't know what happened, but it literally just seemed by the time the movie ended, I thought, well, it almost seemed like they made this. And I think they, there was a TV show. I read somewhere that there was a TV oh. show that Treat Williams took over that plays this character. But it seemed like they made the movie just to set up a crime procedure. Was the hair the sole holdover? As far as, you know, the set and costumes and everything. Did, they, did the hair make it over to the series? Because I don't did. know. I you know mean, what? I'm going to look. Got Hold my on. Money. Look it up Treat? and see if he has the hair. All right. There are three great things about this movie. And Go they're on. not great. Three awful things. And these are the three <laughs> things that I took note of. At one point, Robert Downey Jr. says the line, I think it's Robert Downey Jr. says, it's not about you. It's about shoe. It's just funny. He says, it's just a hard line to say. It's not about you. It's about shoe. It sounds stupid. That's another uh, Simpsons thing. Krusty's like mad about what, shoe. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's the other Simpsons thing. Yeah. Here's the other Simpsons thing. Go ahead. Looking for the the art supplies place that the guy yes. works at. The art supplies place. Art supplies place. Oh, wait. There's a plumbing supply place called Arts Supplies. Yeah. 
that, that was the big revelation that we're right. supposed to be like, oh, of course, arts supplies. Oh, I'm like, really? God. The villain, one of the villains is like a punster who like <laughs> employs <laughs> convicts at his pl- at his confusingly named plumbing <laughs> supply company or whatever they make. I don't know. It's like there's a lot of pipes and metal and shit. I don't know what it was, one but of it's the, not art supplies. One of the scenes that's cut, he's a big fan of crossword puzzles. That, that character, <laughs> he's always doing little puzzles. And then my, then my third favorite thing, the big oof moment at the end of the movie <laughs> when uh, uh, Yuji Okamoto, who we know yes. from Karate Kid Part 2, the villain yeah. in Karate Kid Part 2, when he is released and he leaves prison and his family's there and then there's a large crowd there who I assume were his family and friends, and maybe they are, maybe they're not, <laughs> but then Robert Downey Jr. with a big shit-eating white guy grin says, Looks like you've become a symbol for your whole community. He just sees a bunch of Asian people and thinks it's just a bunch of Asians just showed up because an Asian guy got out of jail. Now, maybe that's true and maybe it's not. I don't know if the movie's racist or Robert Downey Jr.'s character is racist, but that's supposed to be the big takeaway at the end. Like, look at that. Asian guy makes good. All the Asians come out. I think this place is restricted, Wang, so don't tell me you're Jewish. One, a couple of things I did like, okay? I like Margaret Colin a lot. Hofstra University. Always great. She's always great. She's just wasted in it. She does nothing. (laughs) There's no point. Why is she there? There's a um, sociology professor at Columbia University. All right. He's an expert on New York street gangs. His name is... I uh, talked to him. Uh, apparently doing a hit was the way to get into the Pell Street Dragons. Yeah. I've got your theory about the infamous shoe instead of the trigger man. But I like that theory. And since I'm not going to put Professor Twerk on the stand, and since I don't have another theory, I'm going to stick with it. And I wouldn't need a goddamn theory if you could find that son of a bitch who beat the shit out of me, that Chucky Loader. I have phoned every art supply wholesale and retailer in a hundred mile radius. No one has heard of Chucky Loader. Here's a little newsflash. Maybe he's not calling himself Chucky Loader these days. Maybe he's got an alias, Biff Loader. (laughs) Um, But Trivia Corner, what are all the Margaret (laughs) Collin movies we reviewed on this podcast? Give it a second. Independence Day. Correct. Independence Day. Independence Day. Day. You mentioned one earlier earlier today. Was it the Santa Claus or the something? Mm -hmm. or the? I don't know. Directed Ooh, by is? Forrest Whitaker. I'll give you that. Oh, oh first, first daughter. daughter. She's right. the first daughter. Because I always think she, I always confuse her with Elizabeth Perkins. I think she looks as like her. As do I. Yeah. As do I, Fred. And yes, I think I mentioned that in the first daughter yes. uh, movie review when we talked about that. Yes. And so, and then this. Yeah, was there something else? What else? There's one more. There's oh, there one is. Wow. more. Also directed by an actor. Disorderlies. No. no. <laughs> She's the one. She was, oh, God, help us. No. Also directed by an actor. Yes, directed by an actor who I like a lot. I'll give you another hint. Oh, I've seen the Vulcan mm-hmm. sign, so that would be, oh, Three Men and a Baby. Oh, Correct. She's in Three oh, Men and a Baby. Oh, right. I totally forgot she's in Three Men I know. She's <laughs> yeah, you're right. Man. What a career. Hofstra alum, Margaret Collins. Oh, Good yeah, congratulations to you, Margaret Collins. We love you. <laughs> And if you ever are in we the do. mood to call into the podcast, please do. So I'm looking. Yes, Treat Williams did. They did a spinoff. It's it's it was billed as a new dramatic series. Mm-hmm. The Street taught him how to fight. Law school taught him how to win. Treat Williams is Eddie Dodd, a <gasps> rebel with a cause and a heart. Ouch. Premieres Tuesday, March 12, 10 o'clock, nine central. Ouch. Does he have a ponytail? No oh. ponytail. Oh, they got rid of the ponytail. They yeah. learned one lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ha, ha. Oh, God. But yeah, but that's what it seemed like. It seemed like the whole movie was just a setup for this interesting, what could have been maybe sort of like a cool rakish character who yeah. solves crimes, you know? Yeah, because yeah. he's very charismatic. It's funny, too, that Robert Downey Jr. Had, I mean, it makes sense that he has the billing, but like when you see the posters, I wonder if that's an after the fact thing once Robert Downey Jr. got more famous that right. he was put into the artwork or if he was always, I guess no, he, he is the next there. biggest star, but he's just not. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything. No, he's Does very he boring. Really doesn't it. do much of anything. But he was very at no. that time. People less than zero. Like really, yeah. Put him on the map in a big way. People were excited about mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. So I do yeah. remember him being featured very prominently in the posters and the trailers and like. Just that was a selling point to the movie. That, he's you know. great. He just doesn't yeah. have a lot to do. He's well, just not that it's, pivotal. It's, it's a misuse of what the character's function is. But it goes back to what Fred and what you both were saying about like, okay, Robert Downey Jr. storms off and says, I thought you stood for something. We get a long, at that moment, I was like ready to go and like get my tea from the, from the, uh, from the kitchen. And, and I was like, uh, and get my uh, bowl of ice cream and all of that. And I was like, all right, well, when it, and I usually do that when the scene is over. And then the scene kept going as we get Kenny G or Kenny G type sacks underneath a long, long, at least 30 seconds of James Woods just wandering around his office slash apartment, <laughs> smoking pot and thinking. And yeah. what we're supposed to get from that is I don't want to disappoint this young lawyer that's a young up and coming lawyer who's sort of in the five minutes I've known him like a son to me and I don't want to ruin his his innocence okay right. that's what this movie thinks that the relationship yeah. is gonna be and that's what they're 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 building up but it doesn't land it doesn't land because as the movie goes on Robert Downey Jr. is in it less and less and has less and less to do with you know the journey of James Woods after that moment of of saxophone and pot he's in he's he has already changed and then it's like well will he change back and that's not compelling enough story because Mm. you know there is that moment where he doubts himself and is he going to be the true believer or not does he stop believing in shukai kim's innocence or not and that becomes sort of the focal point of the last third of the movie and then he winds up you know winds up still believing in him because of the new evidence oh do you see who played the uh the the oh i guess he's a painkiller addicted cop oh oh that's and the what, guy from uh, the thing correct he's the guy whose yes. head turns into a spider in the yeah. thing does it is, is does his head turn into a spider or does his head does he turn into a something what the fuck are you talking about i think his I head think turns his, into a spider isn't his chest the one that opens up and yeah, and he yes. right. gets Wilfred Brimley's arms, and then his head goops off and becomes the spider. Becomes I think spider. that's it. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't write down his name. He's a very good actor. I think his name's Charles Hallahan. Yes, and, that's uh, yep. that's he was very good in this, and he's excellent. He he's the best thing in this, acting wise, bar none. He really is but very good. He, um, I kept think, thinking, his oh, he's not feeling well. His head's going to turn into a spider, <laughs> and James Woods better hightail it out of there. <laughs> better ponytail it out of there. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know what? We, in, in the past, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute, guys. What? I have an amazing idea. What? What happens if you take James Woods's pink scrunchie? Go ahead. And Barry Bostwick's baby blue <gasps> bandana. Oh, and put, put that. That will make me a true believer, right there. Oh my god. That. <laughs> 
that might be I all think- you need for the Persis Kambata love jump. Well, I mean, what else do you need? <laughs> is there a way? Is there a way to combine the theme to Megaforce with the speech of James Woods's True Believer, Jason? There might be. There might, might be. sound a little something, something like. This is a man looking at 40 years of hard time. He could have had a deal and been out in five, but he bet it all on me. Yuppie bullshit about a good fight. This isn't fucking Yale. A good fight is one you win. How many uh, pink scrunchies oh, are we no. giving True Believer? God. <laughs> I, the hair does make an appearance in the burbs. Oh, wait, I'm waiting. I, that's I'm right. I was thinking. This, I'll wait. wait, wait will you, do that seg- you do that segue later. Uh, I will go uh, four. I guess four. What the hell? I mean, you can't really watch this movie. What the, it's four. Yeah, I'd give it a four, I guess. Yeah, because I, I can't recommend it. I can't I recommend know, it. No. I didn't think it was awful. I just was. Meh. I thought it was going to be about the supernatural. Like, I thought it was going to be him trying, Don Brown Jr. trying to get him to believe in aliens based on the the poster or the marketing that was on the Amazon or mm. wherever I rented it. I was like, oh, this is going to be about like people who believe or don't believe in there's aliens. A, I was there's wrong. a Martin Sheen movie called The Believers. The Believer from oh, 1987, which is I don't think why. I don't think it's yeah, about with Robert Loggia. Yeah, I don't think it's about aliens. I think it's about, it's about uh, voodoo. Yeah, it's about yes, a, yeah. Exactly. That movie scared the fuck out of me. I don't think I ever saw it, but I remember when it came out in 87. I think that it was, was a right. freaky movie. Well, I remember seeing it that on cable a good quite weekend. a bit. I think it came out the same day as Predator and Ooh. Witches of Eastwick. Oh, great. Oh, that's a great. Oh, that would be a good weekend for the future. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I'll give it four. I'm going to give it four point five. I don't oh, even know God. why. I'll give it. I'll give it a little. I don't know. The ponytail gets it a point. The ponytail yeah. distinguishes it <laughs> from other fare of its ilk. <laughs> so I'll give it a point five for that. Anyway, okay, true believer. There you go. It's <laughs> a reason it made nine million over. You know. Ouch. Whatever. I, I was to you to your uh, attempted segue earlier, Dan. Yes. I was thinking the same thing that like, wow, yeah. this is an amazing week for really bad <laughs> hair pieces. Yeah. Yeah. That are ama- but the great thing is that hair piece getting a lot of work. I hope it's getting more than scale. I hope it's getting more than the sag minimum. All of its it work. Just, it just might be. In. <laughs> That's not a good segue. <laughs> the burbs. All Tom Hanks wanted was a quiet vacation at home. This is what I need, Carol. I, I need this. Welcome to Mayfield Place. A typical street in the burbs. Morning, Walter! Where nothing much ever happened. Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfield's lawn again. Until the Clopex moved in. Clopex? Clopex. Clopex. No one goes in. No one comes out. Neighbors from hell. He said he thinks the Clopex are evil incarnate. Well, you're much too smart to fall for that, aren't you, honey? Settling in for a staycation in his suburban home, Ray Peterson, played by Tom Hanks, becomes suspicious of the Klopex, the odd new family living next door. Ignoring the advice of his wife, played by Carrie Fisher, and enlisting the aid of his equally paranoid neighbors, Art, played by Rick Ducommon, and Militiaman Rumsfeld, played by Bruce Dern, Ray decides to investigate the Klopex. When an elderly man down the block disappears, played by longtime Lucille Ball foil Gail Gordon, Ray and his 
his cohorts risk their lives and destroy private property to save their cul-de-sac from the clutches of evil. Directed by Joe Dante and also starring Corey Feldman in an exceedingly strange performance as an average 18-year-old who likes to sit on his porch watching his neighbors like the average 80-year-old, The Burbs was the weekend's top earner, taking in $11.1 million and was ultimately a bigger hit than Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, making $49 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of The Burbs? Well, this movie held a lot of mystique for me. I never saw it when it came out. But I remember there was a lot of hubbub and to-do about it. And I seem mm-hmm. to remember, I was actually talking uh, to our really? friend and longtime listener Damon about this because he really, just, I, I seem to remember him being really excited about going at the time. Uh, again, because he was a big Fangoria guy. So I think the fact that it was Joe Dante and mm-hmm. you know we all love Tom Hanks. And I also remember him really being disappointed by it. And I remember that it really, there there was a lot of anticipation for it. And I remember seeing the commercials and being like, this looks weird. What, what is this? This is so Mm -hmm. strange. Uh, And then hearing just that it just sort of got trounced by critics. And so I, I, I never saw it. I was really curious to check it out and see what the big deal was and thinking, well, maybe it'll really hold, maybe it's one of those things that was just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. It was just a weird movie and Tom Hanks had just done big and it, this wasn't what people wanted to see him in. So people were like, nah, it's not for us. And when it first started, I was thinking, okay, this is, this is interesting. Actually, no, the first thing I thought of was, wait, whatever happened to Rick Dukeman or Dukeman? How do you pronounce his last know, name? I said Dukeman. Dukeman. I know he's he's sadly passed on. He's passed oh, away because I was looking up. But uh-huh. I, I seem to also remember there was a big deal about him being in the movie. And I don't know what it was. Uh, he, he was like I a mean, Canadian comedian. Was he a stand-up, Jay? I feel like he was a stand-up. I think he must have been. He might have been on like, like one of those young comedian specials or something. Yeah. I don't know his stand-up. He's, he's, he's a stand-up. He was Star in... Star Search. Okay, yeah, he's a stand-up. Star Search. He was, yeah, he had like quite a little run with movies. I mean, he's in he's in Groundhog Day, right? But a few years later. Oh, uh, yeah. Joe Dante used him in a bit part in Gremlins 2. He plays mm-hmm. like this uh, security uh. guard who gets attacked by one of the Gremlins. And he, but I mean, he's he was in a bunch of stuff. He's in this a lot, and to a diminishing returns. In yeah. my, <laughs> it's like you know, it's a very annoying. It's not his fault. It's an annoying character. We wrote a note. We slipped it under the door. We rang the bell, and then we ran. You did that? Yeah. Oh, shit! Don't break any. I can't believe you. All I did was write, I know what you've done. That's all. I didn't sign it. Oh, I can't believe you stupid. Why didn't you? God. You got to goose these people every once in a while. You got to give them a little shot. Give them a little whack. Let them know that you're there. You know, it was interesting when I watched it. I just watched it the other night. And being someone who lives in the suburbs now, I found myself the other day before I watched it. There's a moving truck outside my house. Something was happening with their neighbors. And I suddenly caught myself. I was standing at my window watching this moving truck for a good 30 to 45 minutes, wondering, what's going on? Are they moving? I don't think they're moving. I mean, I know they're not happy with, you know, some of the people in the neighborhood, but like, what's going on? And thinking like, I want to text my my neighbor, Dan. Hey, Dan, do you know what's going on? Are they, what's the move? And, you know, so watching this movie going, oh yeah, I... I get that. Like, that's what happens. You When you move into a little neighborhood, it's sort of like you know what's going on. And there are those houses that you're like, what's going on? What's, 
What's up with that? Like, yeah, there's a house are. two up from us that I don't really, I don't know the family. I don't know them that well. And we're always like, what's going on there? What's happening there? What's, uh, what's, what's the deal? There's like a lot of different cars going in and out. And yeah, see, who are those that's, people? That's the telltale sign. And Something's happening. Yeah. And so, it, but it's just always, so right when the movie started, I was like, oh, okay. I think I'm in. And being where I am in my life now, I get it. Maybe as yes. a kid, I wouldn't have understood, but I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. This is. It's sort of arch and it's a little over the top, but okay, I'm getting it. And just, and as it went on, it just lost me more and more and more. But to, to the point, but by the end, I thought, is Joe Dante good? Is he a good director? Like, was he just a one hit wonder <laughs> oh, or well, a, a two hit uh, wonder with, uh, with, but then I was trying to think of like, what, what is he, you know, gremlins and you know, whatever you think of gremlins too. I mean, that, that was obviously very interesting. Twilight, uh, Twilight Zone. Zone. He's the best part of Twilight Zone. Inner space is very good. Inner space I like, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, but. Uh, that was a fun movie. But it was, you know, so as it's, when it started, I thought it was, I, I was sort of, into it and I thought you know there was a scene in the kitchen where Tom Hanks is hanging out and they're playing the Looney Tunes in the background Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking okay well that's very Joe Dante maybe that's setting up like what this is going to be Um, and then you know we have one of our you know one of our kids from Camp Bami Love he shows up you can't can't go wrong with that guy Malachi Malachi Malachi. Malachi. yeah Okay. Um, and you know, in the beginning they were playing up like this very, like the, the, the overdramatic Gothic nature of it, you know, with like the, those intense close-ups when it zooms into all of their faces yeah. and then it zooms into the dog's eyes and you're like, okay, so this is going to be funny and over the top. And I just thought by, it just, it, as it, the, the longer it went on, the more it lost me. And then the end was such a letdown. I, well, that's I, the biggest problem. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, who's Corey Feldman? Where, does he live with anyone? Like, would, <laughs> I don't understand this uh, character. Uh, just, uh, is he just a kid, a teenager who lives in a house? Uh, like, where is parents? What's going right. on? Yeah. I was sort of hoping at the end, I mean, I don't want to spoil it or get to the ending, but, you know, when, when you do find out that, yes, the neighbor's, it could have gone two ways. One I like that, that twist. I I, 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 I forgot. Don't. And I've seen it a million times. How? I mean, oh, I really? Well, my mom and sister love it. I never saw it in oh, the movie theaters. Okay. And I didn't see it. I think they liked it. And then I was like, oh, the verbs, that's supposed to be bad. And I've seen it. I've just seen bits and pieces of it so much. I've seen the whole thing from start to finish before. But it's <laughs> not. It's certainly not. <laughs> like one that I'm like, ah, the burbs, you know, right? At all. Yeah. But, but they like it so much. And I think it's very much what you were saying, Fred, that whole thing of, cause it does remind me of like my, my grandfather and like, uh, you know, the, the, my mom currently lives with my, my grandmother and, and uh, she moved in with her and, and they live in a court. Uh, their 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 house is at the is the first house in this little court. And uh, your mother's the, the queen of the court. Aw, thank Aww, you. Geez. But I mean, it's, so it is. It's just it's like this little cold. It's just like this handful of houses, and it's very contained, you know. And so you do you know who everybody is, and when somebody moves, or when right. you, there is this one house like deeply set in the in the back of, of where the court twists around, where it's like nobody ever we never really see anybody come in and out of it. And and my grandfather was. Always like looking out the window, like, 
Oh, what are they doing over there? What's uh, is that, who's over at Joe's house? Who's doing that? And it's like, well, what do you what do you care? What do you care? But I mean, it's a very you know, it's like I guess as a homeowner, like wondering what's going on on my street, what's going yeah. on across the way. That car, what is that car doing there so long? What is that truck over there? Yeah. What are they, who's getting a new what? Who's getting? A, I mean, it's just a thing that people do. We obsess and over so it. it's crazy. Like, and so why it is, is Herb like, moving in? Why is this guy Herb <laughs> moving in down the street? Someone call Mary McCheese because I don't know what a Herb is doing. It's yeah. A, it's, but it's a funny, it's a good launch pad for something Absolutely. like this, yep. right? It's a great launch pad. And yeah, it's a great palette. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it has its moments or it has potential, but yeah, it just never, it never kind of coalesces into anything. And I think part of it is like, I don't know who the hell Tom Hanks is. Like, you don't know who anybody is. It's not like, you know, you know what I mean? You don't ha- you don't really get much background. You don't on- know what he does or why he's taking this vacation. It, it seems like it's an enforced vacation or something because he doesn't seem to want to be on vacation. No. It almost seems like he's been. It would be great if there was a twist about how like it's like, yeah, it's like you're. You've been suspended briefly because of, I don't know, you're a nosy fucker at work or something. And that gives you some context for why he's like this. Or I just don't know. He's just like a bored guy. I barely knew their names. I was like, all right, man, woman, they have a kid. He's Tom Hanks, so he's the main character because he's the famous person. But I think that's by design, Jay. I think that's uh, by design because it's supposed to be any town USA, really. That's why you get that long shot at the beginning of going into Earth and then going into the town. But you don't have anybody to hook into. No, of course you don't. No, that's that's, that is a huge problem. And anybody, uh, the other peripheral characters are all, you know, um, uh, very one note, and that's that's another big problem with the movie. Um, but no, you're, you're, you're right. It's, it's, I was surprised it wasn't weirder knowing it's Joe Dante. I wanted it to be weirder. Yes, exactly. When brother Brother Theodore shows up and starts talking with that fucking, I'm like, oh, this is going to be amazing now. Now it's going to be. And then I was like, I don't know what to expect. Is it going to nothing but Troubleville? Which it could. It feels a little like that. And I was like, that could be good or bad depending because nothing but trouble has actually, as much as I loathe it. As a better setup, it has a better, you know, that idea of like, if you get pulled over in the wrong town, what can yes, happen? That's, that's a, a, that's cool a very Joe Dante-ish setup. Yeah. 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 He might have done better with that. And it also felt like Fright Night to me a little bit. That's exactly what I was yes. thinking of. I don't right know. Right when I the just, movie started, I thought yeah. this needs to be more like Fright Night. I thought it was going to yeah. go crazier. Yeah. I wanted them to be more, like what I was saying before with the end, I like how there, there there's that twist that like, oh no, they really are doing nefarious things and they really are this evil family. But I thought if you're going to do that, then go all the way. It should end like the Twilight Zone ended with the ambulance going off and you're like, oh my God, Tom Hanks is about to have his skull removed. Oh, that would be good. Oh, that's good. That's good. You won the contest. I was going to... Go the completely the other direction, but that's really good, Fred. If you're going to do that, you're right. That's a that's a or creepy ending. it goes so in the other direction that these people are completely normal, but right. it's the the neighbors the who neighbors are fucking crazy, are and they go the threat. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. and I think that's what they were trying to do because Tom Hanks has that big speech. Remember what you were saying about people in the burbs are people like Skip, people who mow their lawn for the eight. Hundredth time and then snap! Well, that's us! It's not them! That's us! We're the ones who are vaulting over the fences and peeking into people's windows. We're the ones who are throwing garbage in the street and lighting fires. We're the ones who are acting suspicious and paranoid. We're the lunatics! Us! It's not them! 
that speech doesn't land because it's like, yeah, we've known this for the whole two hours. You've been acting incredibly irrationally from the first page of this script. So, you know, yeah, your big come to Jesus moment doesn't 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 affect us very much because we're not like, oh, my God, we are like that. That's what it has to be. It has to take you along on the ride where you're thinking that everything they're doing is rational and you would do in the same situation or you could be pushed to that point because the clues are there it's not enough you're like what the fuck are you doing you all deserve to be arrested well (laughs) but that's true if it tips over to them being irrational yeah then that doesn't work but what doesn't quite tip it there for me is once they start meeting the family and that's and that's part of what Joe Dante is doing too he's casting the Malachi kid in this so if that kid moves into your neighborhood looking like that yeah <laughs> you, you know. might act like Tom Hanks and yeah. go what the hell's going on over there two words though you already mentioned him brother Theodore <laughs> this is the greatest performance I, he's, he's better he's Brando he's that good he's it that good he, I said, I wrote down, I was like, Brother Theodore is worth the good. rental price yes, easily. Brother Theodore, I'm going to give you, go one better. Brother Theodore tips this movie into recommendable for me. I'm <laughs> yes. going 5.5, spoiler of my Sheila. I'm going 5.5 because you have to see Brother Theodore in this. The second he shows up, I'm doubled over laughing. Really? I was that I, I was underwhelmed. By oh, him. Fred. It's just his face. Oh, just my his God. Face. And his chin. And just, I could watch two hours of him staring at Tom Hanks <laughs> in that long, so with the tick talking of the clock. And he's, everyone's damn. awkward and looking around. And Brother Theodore is just staring through Tom Hanks. And I'm crying laughing because it's Brother Goddamn Theodore. Klopek. What is that, Slavic? No. Uh, you know, I think it's great that you've been able to stay with all the original wood. I, I, I was never over here when the Naps lived here. Oh, unfortunate for the Naps. You know, it's funny, but I don't ever remember seeing a moving van out front room. I don't understand that. It was parked outside all day. You remember him from Letterman, right? I used yeah, to love his I know who Brother Theodore was on Letterman all the time. Oh I my didn't god. I remember. I was like, I know who he is. I mean, I know right. like when I hear Brother I Theodore, I this. remember the name. I, I just remember, remember the, the face, posters but I don't all over New York why. City. He always used to do like really? I feel like he used to do like performance pieces. He do things down or, in the village. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. Look, all right. Look at his <gasps> so crazy. You, you can cut this if you want, but look at his his um no, it's okay. his uh, his Wikipedia. Born into a wealthy Jewish family in Dusseldorf, where his father was a magazine publisher attended the University of Cologne. At age 32, under Nazi rule, he was imprisoned at Dachau until he signed over his family's fortune for one Reichsmark. After being deported for chess hustling from Switzerland, he went to Austria where Albert Einstein, a family friend and alleged lover of his mother, helped him escape to England where he was interned. He was subsequently allowed to sail to New York in May 1940. How the hell... Does this guy become a movie star and oh, and, and, fee, and do uh, stand up? I mean, uh, what, be, Fred, you need to play Brother Theodore in a movie. Forget Chuck Barris. <laughs> Sorry, I'm oh, Chuck no. Barris. I'm Brother Theodore. Who was the other one? There was someone else that you said I should play. I can't remember. Scrappy do. <laughs> Scrappy. <laughs> Here's your for projects. You have the, the Eli Wallach story. The Scrappy yes, do. The Scrappy do ice capades story. Chuck Barris, a life and. The story of Brother Theodore. 
Those are your four projects. If I can projects. combine them all into one show. Now you're talking. Four, uh, four acts. I've never seen anything like this. But yeah. then he's a jan- he, he becomes a janitor at Stanford University where he beats the whole... The, the, he beats 30 professors simultaneously at chess and then what? starts to become famous. He's a genius. Brother Theodore... Why do they make a movie about him? Starring uh, you. That's what Dan's so, saying. Okay. Well, they, they did. It's called Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Was, <laughs> I was just going to say it sounded like Goodwill Hunting. But they should have put oh Brother God. Theodore in the Matt Damon part. He oh, my God. He is... Fantastic. How about them apples? <laughs> I got her number. How about them apples? That's good. You do have it. By George, you, I think he's got it. Fred, you're cast. I, I'm, I'm, you're in. You are in the show. So, brother, it's not Theodore. your fault. I know it's not my fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's not you. I know. You don't have to keep telling me. It's your fault. We all know. <laughs> oh, my God. So oh, good. Oh, Fred, you got to do the Brother Theater story. Uh, I wanted uh, those scenes to be creepier. I want. I wanted more oh, I Joe Dante, like, they were weird, weird angled they, shots. He and was. Like, yeah. He did a lot of canted angles. I think Joe Dante is a good director. He knows what he's doing. The yeah. pace of this is the biggest problem. I don't think this he knew what he was doing with this. kind of editing. I want it to go faster. You know, for, for, say what you want about True Believer. It was well-paced. This isn't. This is like, all right, let's get to the come It's, it's aimless. I don't need, it's pretty I don't aimless. need Rick Ducommon falling off a ladder and falling no. off of a telephone pole and falling off of a... First of all, was John Candy not available because that's who you want Uncle this. Buck. You know, oh, he's doing Uncle Buck. Probably. Uh, you know, and I love Henry Gibson. He's great. But he's always yeah, good. Sure. My thing is, uh, yeah, you got to go one way or the other with this ending. To go the way they went with it and pull the rug out and say, oh no, they really are murderers or whatever, throwing people in the furnace. I go, ah, oh, come on, Joe Dante or whoever wrote the screenplay. I'm not, I, make it, yes, make it everything, confirm everything Tom says, Tom Hanks says in his big monologue about we're the problem. Confirm that at the end. Or I love your idea, friend. Have him drive away in an ambulance and Henry Gibson takes out a scalpel and goes, now it's your turn. And that's the end of the movie. And <laughs> yeah. goes, ah! As he's driving down, and then we pull back and see the earth, and Corey Haim is going, what the hell's going Corey on Corey Haim! It would be Corey, great, would be great if Corey yeah, Haim Corey. showed up at the end and said, I love this street to the camera. And Corey Feldman's like, get in your own fucking movie. And it's like, we are the same. This is the singularity. Get out of here, Lucas. Here's something that I thought, were they, were they trying to, it almost seemed like they were trying to do like a, a slightly meta thing with the, again, I was very confused about Corey Feldman because I'm thinking, right. Who are you? Who are you? This weird man child that lives alone and just paints fences. But it was, I think they were trying to do something where it was like Hanks and Bruce Dern and Duchovny Mon, whatever his name is, they're obsessed with watching the Clopex, right? And it's like, that's their thing. And then Corey Feldman is sort of us. Right. Going, yeah, he's us. Let's yeah. watch them. Like, this is the real show. Yeah. But it just You're never right. works. No, the I problem think is he's would... a device to say, enjoy this. This is <laughs> yeah. enjoyable. But we don't need that. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. It was like he's telegraphing, oh, this is cool. And yeah, oh, I love my street and feel yeah. this way about it. Yeah. yeah. Which was weird. The thing about the ending that's interesting is your idea. Fred, let's remake the burbs. No, uh, <laughs> your idea that at the very end, Henry Gibson is driven 
to like, and now you've made me the neighbor you feared. Oh, you that's know, like, good like, too. Even that's like, good You know what too. I mean? Because that, that's great. Because they yep. blow up their whole fucking house. So if they're like, if they're nice and if they're just weird people who bought a house and they're like everywhere we go because we're weird, because we look this way, because my son's like this, because my yep. brother is brother Theodore. And, <laughs> and people treat me this way. And yep. now I've had enough. You have driven me to this. Yes. Would there be a is. fun ending too. There Instead of like, what, what, I don't care. You know, I mean, I know it's a stupid movie called The Burbs, but I'm like, <laughs> okay. So they pull up in that car. They see something going on at their house. They go, they get the cops. They have a trunk full of skulls. There's three weirdos yeah, in the car yes. saying, come with me, cops. And, yeah. like, and they're like, exactly. all right. And it's like, they'll never look in my trunk of bones. You know, no. they, it's better if it is that they are either purely innocent or that you have that twist, that Twilight Zone twist at the very, very end. There that, it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We figured yeah. it out. We, we solved the births. <laughs> How many shields? <laughs> <laughs> How many shields for this version and our re- resolved version? I give this version 5.5. I give our new one 10. Yeah, that's about right. I'm going 5.5 too. I think I'm doing I, four. I, I, I'm going to do four on this one as well. Yeah. You know, I find recomm- slightly recommendable. I think yeah. Tom, Tom Hanks is very, he's as always very good. The scene mm. where he's eating the fucking sardine on a pretzel. Oh, that's so- great. Yeah, he's just he's very good. The monologue at the end, that speech is very good. His mm-hmm. physical comedy coming out of the house with that burn makeup and the way he kind of like falls down, like just stumbles yep. down the stairs. Like, I'm like, I don't even know how you did that. How your like legs just collapsed out from yeah. on the stairs. He's, he's just great, so good. He's in a lot of bad movies at this time um, and good ones. Big. You would stuff, recommend this movie to people? I would yes, say because the world needs more Brother Theodore. The world needs to see what he's I'm doing and going, go, we need more people like that. In the I world. also, it's like a beloved movie, you know, that my, my mom and sister like it so much. So I'm always like, I'm always looking for what is the thing? What is the thing about it? Because it doesn't strike. I mean, 5.5, a 55 on a test is not good. Yeah, That's true. not failing grade. It's, yeah, failing. Yeah. it's still a failing grade. We go, our scale, we always say like, if it's over five, it's just barely recommendable as a curiosity. But, yeah, but something. is it really but a five? Truth, you're right. <laughs> but in truth, if you were getting a test, anything under 6.5 is yeah, failing. So, failing. Yeah. um, yeah. All right, I'll bring it up to a 4.5 because you don't have to. I'm yeah, just saying that's, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Nice to see all the Joe Dante uh, company of actors. Robert Ricardo, Ricardo. Dick Miller, Dick Miller. Wendy yeah. Shaw, who's great. She shows up in a lot right. of um, uh, Joe Dante. She uh, was things. pretty good. Jerry yeah. Goldsmith's music is, especially at the beginning, is very much like his Gremlins Kingston Falls music. It has very mm-hmm. much the lilt of that. And only I, only a freak show like I would know this. <laughs> but the cue at the very end with the ambulance, there's like some cue with like uh, at the, towards the end of the movie. It's actual music that Jerry Goldsmith then, one year later, repurposed and used in Gremlins 2. Like, there's an actual track of music that somehow is on both soundtracks, and it's two different studios. I mean, Universal Pictures made this, Warner Brothers made Gremlins 2. Somehow, I don't know, I would think Universal would own this piece of music, any music that he composed for the Burbs. There's actually a a section, like a whole track, that is used in Gremlins 2 when the the bat gremlin gets wrestled by Dick Miller and goes into oh, the cement yeah. and then becomes a gargoyle. There's a whole sequence there that for some reason is in both movies. And I thought that was peculiar and only something a 
fucking nerd like me would notice. No, I recognized strains of music that I was like, is that a stock thing that he just borrowed or is that show up in other huh. movies? So this, do we need to mention Bruce Stern? I thought he was fine. <gasps> oh, I really, I liked him actually. I liked him. Yeah, I kind of liked him a lot. I had no, no problem with what he's doing. He's, he's super committed and he's a great actor. Yes, no, I liked him a lot. I think my favorite, yeah, Tom Hanks, Brother Theodore, Bruce Stern. That's, those are the three <laughs> finest performances in this mediocre movie. I, yeah, I liked Bruce Stern a lot, actually. I thought he was, he was pretty It was good. by no means excellent. Ah, uh, uh, was the biggest softball of a segue. Well, what are you going to do? There's a movie with the word excellent in the title. It's like, times. you know, makes your yeah. job easy. Why should you, why, why hurt yourself trying to do Brother these things? Brother Theodore also goes by the nickname Ted. Ted. And he got a bill once <laughs> from. Uh, just go, just go, Bill Ted's. Just go, do Don't it. I've got, got some sort of sound clip in there. <laughs> taking the wind out of your sails. Don't you worry. All I want for Christmas is. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves are Bill and Ted, two California high school students trying to start a band. If Ted's father doesn't send him to military school for flunking out of history first. But don't worry, George Carlin shows up in a phone booth from the future to help. You see, in the future, Bill and Ted's band is the foundation for a utopian society. So naturally, collecting famous historical figures, including murderers like Billy the Kid and Genghis Khan, and bringing them to a high school auditorium in 1988 will make everything perfect and happy ending to have safely and easily because movie. Brain-melting, bad, stupid, but Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure earned $6.1 million over its opening weekend and $40.5 million worldwide, spawning two sequels as well as Wayne's World, I guess, Party Time Excellent, question mark. Fred and Dan, what make you think am Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Uh, uh, I don't know what more did to I like say it about better it. than I did in 1989? Only mm. time will tell. Uh, <laughs> I have never seen a moment of this movie wow, until, last, until last <gasps> Are night. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. This is my first time as well. Completely wow. I saw it in high school it. and then I saw it now. I yeah. didn't want to see it in high school. In high school, I was like, this looks stupid. Yeah, yeah. it just looked incredibly stupid and it lived up to that expectation in pretty much every moment. There's one, one Good performance that I liked whenever the guy was on screen, the guy who plays Napoleon. I, Napoleon. Tony Camilleri, I was going to yeah. say, he's the yeah, best Napoleon's performance amazing. in it. I, I wanted he's a whole great. movie about him. He's terrific, and everything he's doing I'm is so funny. I'm glad you said and that. Even the moments around him are funny, like when Keanu Reeves says to the little brother, Where, what, you ditched Napoleon, and the little brother goes, he was a dick. He was a that, dick. Made, that made me <laughs> laugh out loud because of everything yes. Tony Camilleri had done prior. So that's the reason to see it if you're going to see it. You could even fast forward through all the nonsense and just go to all the Napoleon stuff and just watch a super cut of that because that guy's freaking amazing. The rest of this is, uh, I don't know what, I don't even know what, it's like a five-year-old wrote it. It's like a five-year-old yes. scrawled it in poop on the bathroom floor yes. and went, ha ha, poopy movie. Exactly what the way that you... The way that you, you know, described it in the intro, Jason, I just don't know. I, I this is the, this I'm is doubling down on my high school opinion. I did not like it then. I wish no. I had the article, but I don't, I didn't like I, it any better now. I was like, I guess but it made these sequels and it's like famous. And I'm like, I guess it's iconic, but well, that's where I want to go with the, yeah. you know, if 
at some point in our conversation about it is, okay, what was the appeal in 89? Why did it become a cultural touchstone? Why did it become this iconic thing that spawned a career for Keanu and, and a, and a, and a, um, uh, uh, sequels and everyone knows this movie and, and many millions of people seem to like it and even love it. I mean, and they just why, made another why, sequel. why, you know, why? Like, they just made another one. The, yeah. The, the they one. dug up Alex Winter and said, let's do another one. <laughs> No. I think I know the answer to that. Go ahead. Is Fred. it the Wayne's World thing? Is it that people like no. that kind of like? Oh, I can't stand that Valley Dude stuff. I tune right the fuck yeah, out. The bro That's stuff. why I like I Wayne's like World it. a thousand times better than this. Oh yeah, thing, no, me too. Yeah. But but that's because it's fucking Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. It's like yeah. really skilled comedians doing it. Right. And I think Keanu Reeves is perfectly good in that. You know, I mean, I think what he's doing, he's. I think they're fine. They have a point it's, of view. The yes, two guys exactly. have a solid, mm-hmm. rock exactly. solid but point of view. I hate that kind of thing. I don't like, I don't really like Wayne's World. I don't like Beavis and Butthead. I don't like, I don't like just dumb guys being like, Shaw, oh, I, I, it never, <laughs> it's never been funny to me. And I, I think it's a source of comedy for a lot of people that it just makes me want to like punch, just punch the yeah. air, punch right. anything around me. I don't like it. So making fun of it. that is good comedy, but it, uh, it, two hours, even an hour then, and a half of it, it is not good. Exactly. You make fun of it for two. Well, that's why Wayne's World, right? That's a five minute sketch on Saturday Night Live. Correct. That, then they made movies too, which are, you know, whatever. But uh, I'm sorry, What's Fred. Theory, you know, Fred? you have a theory that I want to hear. No, I don't. Well, I look, I don't, I don't. I don't think I'm going so far as to say I'm the Dan Matisse from the Super Mario Brothers episode or the Baby's Day Out episode. Oh, here he goes. Here I go. It. I was slightly charmed by it, mm-hmm. more oh, so God. than I ever thought I could possibly be. And yeah, I didn't see it when it came out for the same reasons, Jason. I didn't like, I never liked Beavis and Butthead. I can, I can appreciate it a bit more now for what it was, but at the time, and everyone's like, really? But you were like into metal. You were into the bands. And I was like, yeah, I knew, yeah, but, but I knew an, people an like idiot. that. You I wasn't an idiot. You a smart person. <laughs> I, didn't find it, I didn't find that funny. I was, you know, Wayne's World. Yeah, it's, I, I agree with you. It, it's better. You know, they're very, they're gifted comedians. This just looked stupid. And it just, and it looked like a bad movie. And I think that might be what, is what charmed me about it. Mm. They're very, it is. And I was, I was reading up a little bit about it and, and you're not too far off, Dan. You, if you, if you look up this, this movie, they hand wrote the first page and it does look like a five-year-old wrote it. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, it was these two guys and they hand wrote it and they thought it was funny. And what I think, and originally, I mean, you were making fun of like the killers they bring back the original script the whole thing was they were in a van. It was called Bill and Ted's like time van or something. And they mm-hmm. changed it because it seemed too much like the DeLorean. But they go in the van. They changed and it to a copy Doctor Who, though. If you're going to change it, change it to something that isn't already a time travel vehicle. Doctor Who farts around the universe in a t- telephone booth. You dummies. Do they even know that they're parodying that? You stupid no, idiots. because they didn't know that. I was reading. They said they were like, we didn't know Doctor Who. So we had no idea what a fucking TARDIS was. And people were. But regardless. Jesus Christ. <laughs> look, only real nerds watch Doctor Who anyway. I've always said that. When I went to Comic-Con, I was like, that's how you know the real. The true yes. nerds. Yeah, you're right about that. The true nerds are the ones wearing true. the fucking scarves. Yeah. Like, the, the TARDIS. Like, wow, I thought I was a nerd wearing my Luke Cage shirt. Now, no, you're the real nerd, dude. Right, yeah, that's <laughs> anyway, true um, nerdity. Bye, Raven Glavin. But, uh, but I love nerds. Bye, Raven Glavin.
Anyway, yeah. my what was my point? Oh, so originally they were going to get in their van and they were going to go back to World War II and bring back Adolf Hitler. Oh. Fuck off. That was in the original script. Yeah. Well, I, I actually was thinking that. I was like, I was like, wow. this is, it's like you can tell they want to bring Hitler back for their school <laughs> report and they couldn't do that. But I was really, I was sort of charmed by Bill and Ted. And I think what the thing, what I think sells it is one, I think it is a bad movie and there's something charming about that. Hmm. And it's also, they're so sincere mm-hmm. and loving to each other. And within their logic, their warped logic, their logic is sound, you know? And there's also this way, like the way they think makes sense in their world. Dudes, you guys are going to go back in time. Yeah! You are going to have the most excellent adventure through history. Who are you guys? We're you, dude! No way. What? No what way. Yes, way, Ted! Look, that? we know how you feel. We didn't believe oh, it either no, when we were you. And we us said what we us are saying right now. Okay, wait. You guys are really us. What number are we thinking of? Oh my god. 69, dudes! Oh my god. It's. It seemed like this was the little movie that could, and I think maybe that's why people went to it, because it, they obviously had no budget. They had enough budget to get some bad special effects, which, again, they were still sort of charming to me, but I'm thinking the music in this is terrible, and it's all generic. Like, all the stuff in their yeah. rooms, they had, one, they, had, they had the budget for one Van Halen poster, right. which I had in my basement, <laughs> and a Van Halen shirt, which I also had from the mm-hmm. 5150 tour. Mm-hmm. They mentioned Van yeah. Halen, but other than that, if you look, like, when they're in their rooms, right. it's just like they took generic shit from Spencer Gifts, from the malls. Yeah. You know, there's nothing... There's no product placement. This is the hot topic of movies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they couldn't Cheap, get... formless, no <laughs> substance. Yeah. yeah. But so I'm thinking, okay, so they had no... Something. You know, they're, they're, there's no budget. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then the... so I, But I, I was sort of... As it went on, it lost me a bit more. But I was surprisingly... I was giggling. You know what impressed me? You mentioned Napoleon. He was fantastic. Brilliant. I, and yeah. I couldn't believe <laughs> this. I was talking, I was talking to uh, my friend at the theater last night, Pam, about this. What it really impressed me, Napoleon spoke only French. Yes. Socrates spoke only Greek. Right, right, right. You know, like yeah. they actually, you'd expect in a movie like this that it would be like someone speaking a very bad French yeah. accent. Right. You know, or like Socrates right. would be like, hello, my name is Socrates. Yeah. They sort of, there was like a verisimilitude to the historical characters in this weird way that I just didn't expect. I did not expect that Napoleon would actually be French the whole movie. The best things about Man. it are anything that Bill and Ted is not on screen for. Correct. No, honestly, like the, yeah. The, the best stuff is literally the Napoleon stuff. And then like things like Sigmund Freud being questioned at the police station and like yeah. turning the questioning back. Up. That's, That's cute. Yeah. The moment where they find Joan of Arc and it's a religious experience for Joan of Arc because That's these great. guys come yeah. through the window, that works. the stained glass window. It's like so Her absurd. Yeah. Jane Lydlin of the Go-Go's right there. Yes. Yes. Oh, right. Cool. I was like, I know her. Why do I know her? Oh, that's cool. Um, but there were like little moments like that for a couple of them. Billy the Kid never has a real payoff. No, the, no. the Beethoven, no. 
The actor they missed the boat on that, like a, that like was a, lame. a prey train. I mean, that 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 is, yeah. They start but I liked up. him. I liked that. There was something about that did actor you notice that I liked. When they I, crash into his world, he doesn't notice because Beethoven's deaf. deaf. It's everyone yeah. else that turns and sees the phone booth, and he's like, whoa, 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 when they take right. him away, and then after that. They don't do anything, anything it's as that. if he right. can hear after that. And I'm like, oh, you guys missed the boat on that majorly. You could have had so much, you know, not not making fun of deaf people, but 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 doing something with the fact that he's amazing and a prodigy because here he is. He's he is, yeah. you know, hearing impaired and yet is making all of this great music in the middle of the mall. That but I was been sort of so impressed cool. by that. Even that being like, oh, yeah, they're really playing. They know their history. He's deaf. That's why he's not hearing. But, I just but didn't Fred, expect that. It only that happens in the one scene. The rest yeah. of the movie, he can hear again. And it's like, don't do that, you guys. You set it up and then you took it away. Don't do that. So, yeah. But uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, I, I was more charmed by the two of them than I thought I was going to be. But it yeah. still wasn't enough to make me care about them in any way, shape or form. I was like, no, I still hate the I still kind of still hate them, <laughs> them both, <laughs> you know, or can't stand them. Hate They're likable people. That's them. the thing. They're not jerks or anything. They're totally no, that works for the movie. Yeah. Sweet dummies is what it yeah. seems like. Um, right. George Carlin. Yeah. Why? What's the point? I, it's like. I, yeah. I, it was very iconic. I remember like, oh, George Carlin is like the guy, like their mentor. Who br- <gasps> It seemed to have like more, like I'm watching it again. I was like, I don't know. I hate to say it. He's so funny, but it was that like kind of a full circle in. with the hair, with the ponytail, because he, <laughs> I was expecting him to have a ponytail and he turned around <laughs> and he didn't. You're so right. it wound up in True Believer. It wound up on the... Uh, desk and uh, brother Theodore stole it from the from the guy from the Lucy show. Oh, and did you see in that guy's house? There's a picture of Lucille Ball. Oh, what does that got to do with anything? We should have reviewed uh, these in the opposite order. It's like yes. the, the, uh, George Carlin's ponytail goes missing, right. it winds up in brother Theodore's house, and then it lands on it clinging for its last gasp of life. On the back the, house, the house blows up, it shoots into the atmosphere and just <laughs> lands, lands in, in New York. York. Right. Lands in, yeah. in the, that same shot of Christopher Street, the subway station that we see like five times in Tripoli. Over and over and over and over I was like, oh, cool. At least it's going to yeah. be old New York City, like yeah. 80s New York City. And it's like, yeah, one, one not block. even a block, like yeah. one stationary camera shot yeah. of Greenwich Village. Anyway, How long has Caliente Cab Company been around? I know. I thought that too. I was like, that was around in 89? Oh, what does that got to do with anything? So the three most important people in the world, they were Martha Davis, who was the lead singer of the Motels. I only know that because we played a gig with the Motels years ago. Fee Waybill of the Tubes. Oh, I only Clarence know Clemens. That. Yes, of Clarence course. Clemens. Yes, Clarence, Clarence Clemens. Clemens. I, well, I couldn't remember. I was like, is that Clarence Clemens? Yeah. As the- I thought for a hot second it was Meshach Taylor from yes, Designing Women. Me too. And then I was like, who is that? And then, yes, at the very, very end, it dawned on me, oh, that's Clarence Clemens, who is, yes, I, I, I'm a big, big fan, seen many, many times, Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band, the and uh, uh, Rest His Soul, the great, the big man, as they the call him. The big man, yeah. Clarence so Clemens. So supposedly, yeah, the, going back to the George Carlin thing, because I agree, I was I was underwhelmed. I oh, think I the original idea was it was supposed to be Eddie Van Halen. Like, but they couldn't sense. get him. They're like, yeah, we can't afford sense. it. Like that was the thing. They didn't have a budget. They, oh, the only reason Clarence Clemens why, why and Fee Eddie Van Halen be a bigger get in a movie, a, a guy who doesn't do movies, than than George Carlin, world famous comedian, because of the, what the movie is, because of what that it is. He would have been like they wanted oh, to play someone himself. to play himself, right? right of yeah. course, in essence, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bigger ask. Yeah. You're the right. idea behind it is funny that like these two idiots, because they form this band, like that's ridiculous and they change the world and everyone becomes, you know, they, but it just, I, it's a, it's a dumb movie, but I can yeah. see why I can see, you know, watching I, I it, it charming I kept thinking, at times too, Fred. It's like, a kid's well, movie. I, 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 that's what I, I kept thinking. So. I thought other than, you know, the, the use of when they're like fag, when they say that, I'm like, okay, that doesn't hold yeah, up. Right. Let's not, you know, that's the, the, it, oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they hug each thing. other. Yeah. And, and it know. was like one of I those things where like, catch that. Of the time, you're like, yeah. okay, I guess that would have played with those characters. Oh, but yeah. I thought other than that moment, I'm like, I think my kids would actually probably laugh. They'd be like, this movie's so <laughs> stupid, but they would laugh at it. To me, that's what it, it dawned on me. Like, oh, this is a a kid's movie. It's a little kid's movie. Fuck off. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so that that translated into culturally iconic, you know, and like what's the reasoning behind why it's so, so, so beloved? I guess it must have done well on video it. because I was surprised to read that Burbs did better. And then when I think about it, I'm like, well, it's Tom Hanks. He's a bigger star. Keanu Reeves wasn't a, no. a big star yet. You know, Tom yeah. Hanks is. That makes sense. That would be the number one movie of the week. But thought, like, Bill and Ted was not like number two either. I think Rain Man was number two. They were like, oh. it was like wherever it was in the pecking order that week, it must have gained. And it didn't make a hell of a lot in theaters, but it must have done very well on video. And cable, with right? And cable. And cable. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then two years later, there was a sequel, which I didn't, I also didn't see I that. I think the people bogus just Journey took to one. it because of its simplicity and stupidity. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that people probably hooked into and thought, oh, these guys are idiots. It's fun. Like we can watch this stoned or we can watch this drunk or we can just watch this and laugh at the idiocy of it. It might be uh, a good stoner movie. It might because be good it's so, that. it's so simple and low budget there's something i don't know that that was the weird are you thing. describing I was, this movie or this podcast i'm confused now <laughs> as you would oh. say a little bit of column a a little bit of column a. Okay, good. it was i was i was disarmingly charmed by its stupidity and low budget quality excusez-moi monsieur no they're not so fast buddy deep you ain't paid yet hey hey Ah, the French Jason. Yeah, Ter it's it's Terry Camilleri and Terry oh, did Camilleri's. I say else? Did I say Tony? Oh, uh, we might have said Tony earlier, but Terry Camilleri um, appeared in a little movie that you might be familiar with, Superman Three. Oh, is he? Uh, is he at the Tower of Pisa? No, is he one of the guys at the Tower of Pisa? That I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna watch Superman three this summer, so we'll know. Oh, we'll see if we can spot him. We'll look out somewhere for him. in there. Tony Camilleri, uh, not Tony Terry Camilleri. Terry Delivery Man, allegedly Delivery, delivery man. man. Oh man! In Superman three, I don't know delivery if he's gonna be still man. dressed as Napoleon or not. <laughs> I wish, but he's wonderful. He's delivery. also in Truman Show. He really? is. Yep, he's in some things. What is he doing there? Uh, Terry Camilleri. In the Truman Show. Oh, he's the man in the bathtub. Oh, yes. Yes. He's, he's great. great. And then yeah, he changes great. the channel, right? Yeah, he's terrific. Yay. Oh, he's good. really good. All right. We love he's him. Terry Camilleri. If you're out there, get together with Margaret Collin and call <laughs> in uh, uh, oh, to the podcast. Fantastic. I will oh, go yeah, um, as far as Sheila's for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I will give one... Sheila to Terry Camilleri's performance. I'll give him a second Sheila because he was that good. And I'll go 0. 0.5 for uh, Clarence Clemens being in it. So 2.5. Wow. 
Wow. That's lo- that's even lower than I thought you would go. I'm it's gonna as far as I can go. No, it's pretty interminable. <sighs> I could be persuaded to go three, but um, why? Wow. I'm gonna go. Boy, this is so hard because I just don't. I don't like this movie, but I, I do like him. <laughs> I I'm, I always grapple with it. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, I guess I. I'll go. I'll just go four. I'll go four. I think I'm going to do that. I want to give it a five, but then I'm like, do I really? I don't know. I was. I <laughs> you know. liked it more than, I mean, would you, is it, is it at all, is it recommendable to you? If it's recommendable, then it should be a little over a five, right? Or, I did or at tell least my son five. the other day, I, I was like, you know, I just watched this movie. I think you'd probably like it. It's really dumb, but you might laugh at it. So, uh, I, I can't, I don't, uh, yeah, for your okay. children, it's uh, over a five. Sure. Maybe. I don't even know, but they might be like, this is really stupid. Would you go to work tomorrow and be like, guys, have you seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? They bring Socrates back (laughs) in a phone booth. They'll be like, do you have a fever? No, no. They're musicians. You know what they do? They call them Socrates 47 times, and it's hilarious every time. But then at the end, they learn how to pronounce his name, and it's movie. (laughs) I'll give give it a four and a half. Great. So two and a half, four, four and a half. Yeah. I, this this warms my heart because I I have to say I was like, we're gonna do this. And they're gonna be like, this is one of the greats, Jason. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You're the it's you're no still the only fucking idiot who doesn't like this movie. It's a classic from our youth. I'm so yeah, heartened iconic. that you never saw it, that you right. are not enamored with it. <laughs> Because I was like, uh, I'm still, because I still, I feel that the sting of being called out publicly for my, my opinion of it in 1989. Which brings us to our next movie, The Sting. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything in the mail sack today? Since Fred, you were the holder of the sack this week. Did you have anything from? Oh, I see. You know, we've been getting, uh, there's been talk. A lot of people have been listening to the podcast. I know a lot of people that have been Mm. going back and sort of. Going through our as they should, as they should, and so I want to thank everyone for doing that, and thank you for for the people who have been listening for a while for sticking with us. Yeah, now you and, can listen out of order at this point because who gives a shit anymore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you figure that? it out. You figure it out. Okay. If it's you helpful. encounter a Dr. Merlot or a tote or a queen right. sucker or a stayer of the flaw, it's up. To, now it's your. That's your buffet of shit to wade through. You figure it out. <laughs> it's good to go in order, though, for that reason. And also, like, some of the sound clips, they get introduced with a certain movie. Well, and then they, be like, become, right. like, just, then yeah. I just use them ad nauseum. <laughs> That's <laughs> true, yeah. Because otherwise, if you don't go, you'll be like, why is Bill Cosby singing along to Mamma Mia? Right, you know? exactly. <laughs> or why is he in this episode 72 times and then the next one, nothing. It's just, you know. Yeah. There, there is a method to the madness, but you gotta no yeah. re- listen to it however you want. Speaking of of the the sound clips and the <gasps> editing, uh, our our old friend from college, Al Pagano, uh, has Al Pagano. been Al Pagano. Big ups to Yonkers. Yonkers. Susan. <laughs> Susan, they Susan, got, come they got Benji. Benji. This is getting cut. Nobody <laughs> knows what we're talking about. Sorry. Al Pagano's an actor. He's very good. We're doing an yeah. impression of his voice doing a play from 1991. <laughs> well, oddly Sorry. enough, 
one of the things he wrote in because he binged. He binged us. Oh, all the episodes, he? and he yeah, he'd been oh. sending lots of lovely messages. Oh, how nice. But to what you just said, Jason, he said. I, one of his last messages was, I love that Jason is always threatening to cut out dialogue, usually spoken by Dan, that always invariably gets left on the podcast that I absolutely love. Uh, I'm listening to Dan's story about his fear of fish right now, and even though I am not fascinated and only marginally interested, it is still hysterically funny. Um, That's great. And he also responded, he just listened to episode 69, he said, Jaws has always been my favorite yeah. film. My grandfather took me to see it when it originally came out in the theaters. Yes, I was five years old. Did it have an effect on me? Who can tell? <laughs> so that was his uh, That was his favorite Spielberg. So it is great. so Thank you, good. Al, and That's everyone great. for yes. listening and, and spreading the word. Oh, but, wait, but wait a minute, you guys. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Someone might be, oh, the phone's ringing. You hear that? The regular phone is ringing. There, I, there do, might I be do when I put the sound clip in. <laughs> Of the buzzing cell phone. I hear if I get in my phone booth and go to the future, I hear it after Jason has put the sound clip in and I'm listening to the rough edit of the episode. I hear it yes. now somehow. And no, we'll someone might be it. calling in to chime in with their thoughts oh. about their favorite Spielberg. About Ooh. maybe their favorite Spielberg nice. or maybe or maybe something else. Hello, you are on the opening weekend podcast. You're talking to Jason, you're talking to Fred. And of course, it goes without saying you're talking to Dan. <laughs> Hello, state your name, please, and, and who are you, and why are you uh, uh, calling in, and do we know you from uh, previously, or is this a new person? Who the hell is this? Hello, you turkeys! Oh, oh, Mr. Dreyfus! Yeah. It's the queen sucker himself. Oh, queen sucker. Call me Duddy if you're nasty. <laughs> How are you, fine gentlemen? Oh, we're doing so well. How are you, new dad? Congratulations. Yeah. How are the twins? How are our uh, Richard Jr. and Richardna? How are they doing? Oh, <laughs> lovely. I have a bit of the sleep deprivation. It's coming out at all ends. There's poop. There's pee. There's there's row. I think row oh. comes out every now and then. What about Wade? Oh, sorry. <laughs> He's waiting in it right now. Oh, sure. It sounds waiting like waiting in, in, in row. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, indeed. How's Sheila? She's doing well. The children are doing wonderfully. Thank you for asking. Uh, it's good, great. Good. Something. And uh, just, just, Turkeys. just to quickly catch up our, <laughs> just to quickly catch up our listenership. Um, you know, uh, we, we, Richard was uh, transformed willingly, transformed so that he could uh, marry our Sheila, who had been transformed by the nefarious Doctor oh, Willing to ma- half murder Hornet half woman Richard chose quail and salmon and you can call him as QS on the podcast so he's part quail part salmon all Dreyfus is that right they served quail and salmon at the wedding too that was the choice Sheila's idea Sheila's mother it's your favorite delicacy I wanted mashed potatoes I must take umbrage with your your listing is of the favorite Spielberg movies from from I'm sorry, it's still I'm still getting used to speaking with the gills. The gills make things a little difficult. My speechifying. Uh, I'm, I was very happy to hear your wonderful reviews of Close Encounters of the Third Yeah, we kind. loved it. And we loved you in it. Thank yep. you very much. I was happy to be high on the list. Uh, but you, there is one omission, gentlemen. I oh, think God. you know of which I speak. Oh, it's the numero uno. 
What I speak it? of always. Oh. The greatest of the Spielberg. Always. Did we even, did we, Jason, did we even, and Fred, did we even mention no, always? No, you did not, I'm gentlemen. Not. It was not mentioned at all. I've never seen it. I've, I Mr. have to admit, what? Mr. Dreyfus, I've never See what is it about? You're a you 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 fly pilot, a plane. Right? With I John fly Goodman? a plane. I do things with Holly Hunter, John Goodman, and it is brilliant. And that's all I know. And, and, I do and, things with Holly Hunter and John Goodman. Yes, <laughs> at the same time. Excuse, oh, I, I I wanted to introduce you. I forgot to mention you were asking about the children before. Oh no. Uh, oh, no. I you've seen pictures. I know Sheila sends you the uh, the oh. presentation pictures of them, and uh, oh, as you God, can see, yes. they're beautiful. Uh, but we've been getting a lot of help uh, from some love. Lovely folks are helping out. We have a new babysitting service that oh. you may have heard of, uh, Pentageli and Burns. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, Fred. Uh, uh, Ricky. Ricky, what the, what the hell? One of these kids poops one way. The other kid poops the other way. I said, sure. Myra, Eddie, Ed. Yeah, I got I saw the babysitting company with my friend Ed Burns. Wow. Ed, why don't you come in? Ed, say wow. something to the, the podcast. I, I was helping Frankie Pentangeli, and, uh, and I, I, if only Catherine Heigl were here, if only Jennifer Aniston were here to help out, because, you know, we need, we need a woman's touch in this place to help out, don't we, Frankie Pentangeli? Yeah, what? I mean, you, you say one thing, Richard says the other thing, I says... Yeah, sure, why not? Okay, maybe the children need to go to bed now, Eddie and Frankie. <laughs> Eddie and Frankie in the Claire de Lune. That's great. <laughs> Eddie and Frankie in the Pentangeli <laughs> and Burns. Ring, wait, 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 someone else is calling ring. in. You guys, the time ring, phone. Ring. You hear the time phone? Oh. Ring, 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 ring. This could only be, ring, since Dreyfus is on the phone, there's going to be one person calling in. Always calling in. Usually when Dreyfus calls in. Hello, you're on the, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Boy, it's been so long. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, hold on, please. Ladies and gentlemen. No, please. Just hold yes, I'm getting to you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the great calling from some point in the past. We never quite know when. Never know. Oh, well, then the we incredible. know. Incredible. The amazing. Calling in from this coffee can, Nick Nolte. Mr. Nolte, welcome back to the podcast. God damn it. How are you boys doing? Oh, I knew I knew Richard was on the phone. I was like, well, let me, let me just get, let me buckle up and uh, <laughs> turn that around the way it's supposed to be and then get on the time phone. Nicholas, my good friend, how are you? From yeah, yeah, down and right. out in just... Beverly Hills, or I like to call it, <laughs> down in the in Beverly Sills because <laughs> of that after party that we had. That was amazing. She was, she's a trooper because she kept singing the whole time. God damn it. Who are they talking about, Frankie? I don't understand who these people this, are. This guy what says, the hell are these guys? <laughs> yeah, the guy says, yeah. I said, yeah, sure. God damn it. Who are these two fellas? I ain't never made no movie tonight. God damn it. <laughs> This is this is uh, this I is. Quite it, a, I, I want to talk about my favorite Spielberg. Uh, oh, please do, uh, Mr. Nolte. Please yeah, do. RBG. <laughs> Isn't that it? The amazing RBG. The the. Where, the, the notorious RBG. Notori but, right, where the the theater guy. He's of a course. giant. <laughs> the guy who the, the Shakespeare boy. He go. He's a giant. Isn't that I it? think the might be confusing. <laughs> 
also like Ready Player One. I like that. God. I like that. Oh. I like, man, God damn it. I like that. The Terminal? Did, did you, you, it's, terminal seems like terminal. one that you, you, would, you would really connect well, with. Well, I lived it. So I do. <laughs> I was an inspiration. You got my I life mean, right. Didn't you see Saving Private Ryan? I was in that. Right, Frankie? Yeah, you look great, but it was like, you, you know, Ed Burns, you wheezed one way. Hey, Louise, the other way. And I said, sure, why not? <laughs> wow, the suspense, the suspense was killing know, us there. I know, it killed me so much. That, that, that was just a long pause. I had time to watch my other favorite, 1941. That is three and a half hours of just noise and carnage and mayhem and drug use. It sounds like I my first it. night with Melinda Dillon on the set of Closing Counters. Oh, no! Something turkey. Talk about a hot topic, my dear. <laughs> wow. God. Well, Nikki, Nick, Nikki, give our no, you call me Nikki. You me me well enough. Call me Nikki. God damn it, you fucking podcast. You're telling me, bitch. You gonna tell me, Nikki? Nikki, I'm Nick Nolde. I'm Nick Nolde. I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry, Mister Nolte. How about that? Thank Nolte. you very much. I will have tea. Thank you. <laughs> Please say a fond hello to Lumpy Forest, Mr. Dreyfus. Please say a fond hello and give a big hug to Sheila, to uh, Richardna. You to keep Richard your hands Jr. off of my Sheila, Dan. I, 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 I know. No, I know I the relationship you used to have. I understand. But yes, I, I will give your best to her. And uh, oh. uh, Frankie and Eddie, so nice to <laughs> so nice for <laughs> nice you guys to, to call. So in. nice to know you're in business. They might, you guys might say, hey, come on, seven, episode 71. You might say, hey, come on back on episode 72. And I'll say, sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Even I fell asleep during that one, and I'm usually already asleep, especially, especially when acting or writing a script. Good night, oh, everybody. Are we still on the phone? <laughs> Good, I'm going to go ahead and hang up now, everybody. Thank you All so right, much. Because I don't like to hang up go, first because, go, you know. No. Oh, and he's gone. And that's it. All right. Yeah, well, everybody's good. Damn it. <laughs> I tricked you. I did a pantangeli. <laughs> yeah, we were getting my trousers. You I did. A, we you, just got pantangelied. You pulled a pantangeli. Well done, Mr. Nolte. Thank you. Nick Nolte, Richard, Drivers the Queen Sucker, uh, Ed Burns, and Frankie Pantangeli. <laughs> From Godfather 2. Thank you all for calling in. Such a pleasure. Oh, Sorry. oh! I wanted to say one little uh, 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 on the Spielberg related. Uh, it was just uh, John Williams' 90th birthday. The great John oh, Williams. The who great. Made so many clips of his great music last oh episode. Schindler's List, E.T., Raiders, uh, Close Encounters. The list goes on. Great collaborator of Steven Spielberg's. Turned 90 years old this week. He is the greatest of all time. Um, yep. Thank you. For joining us for episode 70 of Opening Weekend. Next time, we return with a special request episode. An educator reached out to us <laughs> about tailoring an episode of our show to his high school students who are studying both film criticism and podcasting. And, wow. and who else to come to? Who else to come <laughs> to but us? So right. being the huge sellouts we are, we agreed. Right. And now we will be traveling back 
to March 9th, 1990, just Ooh. one year after the release of The Burbs and the premiere of another Tom Hanks vehicle, Joe versus the Volcano, as well as the kid and play film House Party. Oh. Will high school students be as enthralled with the continuing adventures of the arthropod squad as we are? <laughs> Only time <laughs> will tell. No, in fact, I think we've made a we've made a promise. Yeah. We will avoid uh, some of our more uh, uh, esoteric. Uh, esoteric. Thank you, Fred Berman. Always with the uh, word. He's, yeah, he's playing Wordle all the time. This guy. It's uh, <laughs> the more esoteric elements of our podcast and we're going to chat about these two movies by request and uh and i think i've never seen either of them and uh, i know joe versus right. the volcano is written by john patrick shanley but i remember it was also You're like right. like the burbs i always lump it in with the burbs as like another tom hanks one that kind of missed the mark with audiences didn't really do very well and a house party i've never seen and uh so i'm excited to check it ago, out but yeah Oh, you have. You have seen that Yeah, a long time ago. I remember very little of it, but a long time ago. Do you remember ago. liking it? I think I remember enjoying it, yeah. So we'll very, see. very, very, very good. Well, we will we'll dive into those films next time on opening weekend. Uh, until then, Dan, what you got for us? We, we wanted Van Halen to appear. And we didn't get him. Yep. And we didn't get yeah. him, but we could get him. We could get Van Halen now. <gasps> That's Are good. you going to do Eruption? Hand farted? Oh God! I wish for <laughs> or the drum solo from Hoffer Teacher. What if we? What if, you tell me what this song is, Fredo. Okay. You tell me. I'm just do a little bit of that. Okay, let me warm up first. Okay. I have a finger injury. You, oh my God! Did you break your finger? What the happened? No. This is this is a chronic thing that I have. It's called trigger finger. It's like when your finger you can't like raise it up and it kind of oh, goes. No. You gotta have to go. And like pop is that it. from all the hand, the farting? hand farting done that it to you? might be from the hand <gasps> farting it might be no i don't uh, think it is oh my god because i don't do anything with these fingers except just sort of relax them that's but what she said i have to i have to <laughs> i'm just glad that it's not going to affect your hand farting well that, that remains to be seen we're about to find out we're gonna find oh, out oh okay. good lord let me see if i can warm up for it okay yeah. See if I can get this this okay. might be Sammy Hagar. <laughs> uh, yeah. How does pound cake Peter. go? <laughs> the worst. All right. Let me see if I can get this. Yes. So good. Mm, that was uh, amazing. I have to call Although technically in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Roth was out of the band and it was Sammy Hagar. So oh. I think you do need to go back and do no, Pound no, Cake. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. No. That was amazing. <laughs> That's what they should have done. Anyway. They should have been like, let's go back and get David Lee Roth so he can be a Van Halen guy. Oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> 
Let's get Gary Sharon from the future. Wait. Excuse let's get, me. Let's get Gary Sharon. You said Gary Sharon. I said sure. Why not? I might as well jump, right, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> they both die. They both jump and die. I like, how, I, I like how a deceased man and a living man are both running a babysitting service. <laughs> and one's a fictional character. <laughs> Anything can happen on Anything opening can weekend. On opening weekend. Right. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Sure! <laughs> uh... <laughs>